All right, this is it. Episode 149. We're getting there, guys. So close Almost to 150. To Almost original. This is the Dragonite episode. We have 149 episodes done, and we have one more to get get to Mewtwo. Wait, do you honestly know? Do you know all of them? Almost. Oh, uh, spent Gen 1 and Gen 2. It's easy are to know the very end of the very beginning, but like number 79 Other generation, yeah. 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 Do you don't know like what number 69 is, do you? It's nice, whatever it is. I want to say it's Electro. You know what? I'm looking it up. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yes, I am Brandon C. McClure. Welcome to the Fickner Podcast. That's uh, it. With me, as always, is Ben Magnet. Hello. Ryan James Eliopoulos. It's me. I'm Pokemon number 69. And Sparks Witty. If uh, Pokemon, Pokemon number 69 is Lickitung, I'm going to lose my shit. Oh, is it? <laughs> He's <laughs> looking right now. Uh, it's not. No, it's uh, Bells. It's uh, Bells, bro. Nope, that's 61. Hold on. Oh. oh here we oh. go. We're th- we're in this is li- this is live this Pokemon is ri- readings. This is riveting. So oh, no, it is Bellsprout. Damn. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, there you go, guys. Episode you know that five. is a pretty wide mouth for suction, <laughs> and it turns into Victory Bell. And like, and if then you've, and if you've then, seen that thing, and then oh, it turns Weepin into Bell first. Thank you. Weepin yeah. Bell. Sorry. Yeah, oh, Weepin so Bell, and then Victory Bell. Sorry, guys. I apologize for my Pokemon knowledge. <laughs> it's all right. No worries. How is your guys? And week? its mouth moves from bottom to top. So oh that's the way I like it. Oh. As it evolves. <laughs> nice. The worst. I cannot <laughs> believe I opened this can of worms. No, it's no. Actually, blame me, dude. I was one who decided to go Pokemon. One hundred forty-nine. It's all right, guys. Like How was your week? It was good. Yeah. I watched a lot of horror movies, and I worked a lot, and I played a lot of video games. I also saw a lot of horror movies, and I actually got to go to sleep at night. Yeah, you watched the entire franchise that we're talking about today. The entire effing thing. Yeah, we watched all the Saw movies. No. No? Wrong no. franchise. Oh. <laughs> you said a James Wan franchise. Oh, you saw the wrong thing. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, yeah, didn't you know there was so six, not eight? No. Oh, I watched the movie twice. Oh, man. No. Uh, hey, Ben, you let me borrow a video game. I did. It's called Zelda Breath of the Wild. I did. It is. Uh, that game came out two years ago. It did. So I'm a little late. But that's, uh, that's fine. I, there's nothing for me to say. There's no such thing as being late when it comes to video games. That's true. That's very true. There are way too many things in the world. But uh, there's nothing I could say that millions of people haven't already said. That game's truly magnificent. Yeah, uh, it 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 deserves all the game of the war, game of the year awards, all mm-hmm. the game of the generation awards. Like it is really. I was thinking like I'm. I put like 15 hours in in this week, and that uh-huh. was. And I didn't have a lot of free time this week, and I still. Yeah. I stayed up really late because I couldn't stop. I saw your. T- I saw your tweets, and yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Like, Buddy. oops, I played this game for seven hours No, because when oops. I first started playing Breath of the Wild myself, I was up super late. Yeah. And I would be like, I need to stop doing it's this the myself. Per- it's, a, it's an open world game, and it's a perfect thing of like, oh, I'll just do one more thing. And yeah. but it just It's literally, and then See? I'm like halfway across the it's map, always and it's like, seven oh, in the morning. Just one, it's like, always, oh, just do one more shrine. Oh, there's a tower I haven't been to in a part of the map. Oh, just, okay, just one more shrine. Yeah. There's like 20 shrines to get to when you get to that there's always one more shrine. And it's, it's, it is... It's unparalleled how detailed and how well well made this game is, uh-huh. and it's you could tell like there, I play a lot of open world games, and you can tell when like it's just copy and pasted shit everywhere, and like like I love Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but there's a lot of copy and pasting going around because mm-hmm. that map is so big, and they make those games every year. Uh, this game. It's 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 phenomenal. It's so beautiful. Every nook and cranny has something special that some guy spent a lot of time doing. There are just dragons flying around that I saw. Look that. at that boulder. That's a nice boulder, dude. It's for real. And uh-huh. every boulder, like it's placed specifically for a reason. Like, oh, you can you can stasis this boulder and it freezes it in time. You hit it a bunch to give it kinetic energy, and then when the time loop erases, it shoots down and it hits a red barrel that explodes, killing a group of bad guys, and you get the free chest. And there's so many different uh, mechanics and systems going on. Um, uh, there are, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this game, guys. I, I haven't felt this way in a long time. There are speedrunners, because the cool thing about like stasis stuff is like, people just skip puzzles because they figured out how to like 
um, do uh, put a boulder and you know summer stasis. games done quick the the the, the speed running thing that happens every year no anyway I... it's it's there's a yearly speed running competition they beat the game in 33 minutes mm-hmm. and this game's like a 200 hour game it is it's, it's so magical uh, I, I'm pretty sure I spent because uh, well, when I checked because for your for the switch it only goes up to a certain amount mine said it had, I had 120 hours and it capped no way I'm, I'm pretty sure no way I'm pretty sure I put more than 120 hours into Breath of the Wild yeah. I'm pretty damn sure I feel sure. like I've done that in like in like two days uh but like let me tell you so like I've only felt this way about a game, like a big open world game, two other times. Uh, it was 2011 with Skyrim, mm-hmm. and then it was 2016 with Witcher. Mm-hmm. This is the first open world game that I felt in a long time. It's like really pushing the bar, dude. And games now are using the using what they did in Breath of the Wild to make games better for the future. And I'm just like, man, Nintendo. And like with Mario Odyssey, the same thing. Like they don't make as frequent games. Like they don't release a Mario game every single year at the quality level of Odyssey. But if you wait three years, you can get a masterpiece every couple years. And Breath of the Wild, I'm going to be playing this game for I don't even know how long. Ryan, yet. you have no idea how happy I am that you're I'm in love so, It makes me Wild. happy to be so fully in love with the game again. Because uh. it's been such a long time where like, I fully invest. Like, man, I'm going to just spend all my free time doing this. I thought it would be City of Heroes again, <laughs> but I already spent 10 years of my life playing that game. So now, now it's Now you're going to spend the next two year, 10 years of your life playing Breath of the yes, Wild. I'm, I'm super excited for you, man. Yes. I'm super excited to dive into it myself at some point along with uh, uh, Megan. Also, uh a new Hitman expansion came out oh. and added a new... You guys have seen how Hitman plays, so you know what the game's like. They added a new bank scenario. So it's a bank heist, and you have to kill the bank director. So you're pulling this super dope heist while also uh, being a murder man. What you doing, Hitman? Uh, that game's still real great. Uh, th- I did another uh, uh, elusive target. You guys know what that's about. Uh, and I succeeded. It took me like an hour and a half, so I'm glad we didn't record that because that would have been an awful episode. <laughs> uh, and then I watched, yeah, again, horror movies. That was my week. Good yeah. week. Yeah. All right, I love Zelda. Where are you, Sparks? Um, I had a whole lot of free time this week uh, because of stuff at work, uh, unexpectedly. So I also did horror movies, just like Ooh. everybody else. And then I spent, I want to say 12 hours this week, probably. Like, I spent most of an entire day off um, playing a game called Ukulele, which is from the same people who made Banjo-Kazooie. And this is basically just because Banjo-Kazooie was announced for Smash mm-hmm. at E3. And I really wanted mind. to play Banjo-Kazooie games because I love Banjo-Kazooie. So I just dove right into ukulele because I was sitting on my PS4, and uh, I've been playing that, and it's scratching that itch, and I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm really far into that game. I'm almost done. Nice. Um, it's not a long game, but that's that's cool. It's just nice to be playing that and yeah. doing that. What else, what else did I do? Oh, and I started catching up on the season of Krypton. Nice. Oh, yeah. Man, how's love? Um, so. <laughs> I, there was a gap between when I watched the first episode and the second episode, and I was right. Lobo shows up right at the end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the performance in that moment. I was like, okay, this is all right. And then in the second episode, I really started to like him. And because this is sci-fi, and we'll, we'll talk about Deadly Class a little later, but the the guy who played, um, what's the villain's name? I forget right now. In the, what? The the b- Deadly Class, the bad guy. Uh, Chico? No, no, no. The, the one who's uh, messing with the... Diablo. No, no, no. Mm. The 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 one oh, with the oh. messed up face. I can't say the word. It's F, F face. It's F yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Okay. His name's uh, F face. Okay. So uh, fork face. Yeah. So that guy. Uh, that same kind of level of performance. That's what you're getting out of Lobo. That's like like someone throwing themselves that far into the character. That's what Lobo is doing. I'm so, into that. Okay. Pretty good. I still don't know that it justifies him having his own series, mm-hmm. but. It's a, it's an engaging and interesting watch for sure. Right. Uh, the way that Lobo is teased up is that um, Segel and another character who I'm not going to mention just because of spoilers uh, are wandering a planet and then a little thing goes off that they don't hear that's near them that says shithead detected. <laughs> and that's what summons Lobo to the area. So you kind of know what you're getting from that. All right. Nice. Um, but um, it's uh, still a solid show. I did, still solid. I did see a clip 
of um, Segal reloading his arms like Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible. Yes. And and yeah. the the actor's name I forget the actor uh, Cameron. You I don't know. Uh, the guy who plays Segal, the main character, like he was on Twitter saying like I love Superman and I love Henry Cavill. So in season one I had something from Man of Steel, and then in season two I have something from Mission Impossible. Yep. It's all about Henry Cavill, baby. Yes. And he's just doing his arm. And gun he did thing. the arm. Pump. And I'm like I kind of want to watch the show. Yeah, now. he does. He <laughs> does that uh, cocking his arms to fight Lobo, which is pretty good. That's, That's pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah, uh, it's 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 good. It's a different Lobo from like uh, the Justice League show, the cartoon. Um, is he Australian? But, Yes, it, not directly. It's not as it's not as half Australian. I mean, like he's <clears throat> his accent is there, but it's not thick. Okay, so this doesn't sound like a dude. Brad Garrett played him in the mm. Justice League TV series. Uh, oh it's, my god, you're right. It's uh, wow. It's it's Brad worth Garrett. watching. Krypton's still a great show, so um, I'm happy to say that. Nice. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Uh, watched a lot of horror movies. A lot. Yep. Watched all uh, five of those Conjuring films, and uh, yeah, that was the thing. Six, if you count. Uh, yeah, today. six, six. Holy crap! I'm so glad I was able to make that showing today. I don't know what the heck was wrong, but like yesterday, you made it, baby. I, I woke up. Um, I, I I woke up when I wanted to, kind of thanks to help from someone. And then today, for some reason, my body's like, "Hey, you've been up a." Uh, I'm Brian. You're probably looking at me going like, <laughs> "Dude, pathetic." No, no, man. We all suffer. It's fine. No, because uh, for together. some reason, there are times when I'm trying to go to sleep and then my body is just like, no, all your alarms that you set, you're not going to wake up to a single one of them. I woke up at 1050. That's when our movie started today. And I got from my house to, to the movie theater right in the nick it's, of time. It, it helps that we have like 20 minutes of trailers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. You yeah I had a similar actual reaction to the day. I was supposed to wake up at eight. Uh, and then uh, I went to bed. Uh, to be fair, I went to bed at three last night. Yeah, I think um, that's why I went went like straight to sleep as well. Yeah, I went to bed at three, and then I just kind of set my alarm at eight because I had a lot of work to do, and then I didn't wake up at eight. Yeah, that, yeah. that sucks. Happened. You did have a full day yesterday. So. I oh, you and I had a full day yesterday. So yeah, but yesterday, I mean, even after our day was done, you watched the nun last night. Yeah, I did. I did. But I think the the crown jewel of the week was uh, myself, Sparks, and one of my best friends, Adam. We made a trip out to Frankincense over in City of Industry, and then after that, we went to Lost Levels in Fullerton, and that was Sparks' first time going to Frankincense. Cause both those places. Yeah, for both those places, and we had a quite an adventure at Frankincense, and it was great. I, I had a freaking blast. Uh, I came home with um, nine comics. <laughs> Nice. And a Godzilla figure. Hell uh-huh. yeah. And uh, bought a gift for Ryan. Yeah, you did. Yeah. It made me so happy. Yeah. It was so nice. But see, that's what I was talking about. Find it, like last week when I was talking about me finding the Final Fantasy game, that was him and his Godzilla figure. It was like you find a treasure and you're like, holy crap, it's cheaper than I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. And you just go ahead and go for it. Yeah, and it was the only one there. Yeah. It's really cool. Frankenstein's yeah. Frank no, Frank so cool. is, Frank is a cool place. Uh, I was kind of mad at those guys for getting us right at the end. As we're walking out, Like I've already bought uh-huh. five or six comics already. Oh, yeah, yeah six comics. And then... Uh, <clears throat> and they were on a good deal, and I was happy about it and everything, and we're on our way out, and then there's one more comic booth, and the guys like stop us as we're walking, and they're like, hey, all the trade paperbacks in these bins, six bucks. Don't care how <laughs> thick they are, and we're like, oh, man. Oh, boy. Guys, yeah. <laughs> you're killing me. Yeah, I bought... Uh, it's a good salesman. Yeah, I got DC Looney Tunes from the the booth that... I didn't even know my uh, friend of mine from high school, which, funny enough, yesterday was supposed to be my 10-year reunion, oh. and then after we were done at Franken's, we were talking to her, and... She and then Sparks was like looking at books, like myself and Adam. We were talking to our high school friend. He comes over. She gives us a sweet discount. 
I pick up the DC Looney uh, DC Looney Tunes crossover. And it's, like a, it's like all of them. Yeah, and like a collection. Eight bucks. That's cover great. price was twenty bucks. Yeah, that's great. So I'm like, oh hell yeah! And then we're walking by, and that guy's like, hey, everything in here is like six dollars. There was Krypton. There was Superman Last Son. I'm like, well, son of a bitch, I need to get that. Six bucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember going to Comic Con a couple of years ago and uh, went by the Archie booth. And on Sunday, they were like, all trades, five bucks. We just need to get rid of them. I'm like, Afterlife with Archie, Chilling Avengers, Super mm-hmm. Teenage Witch, uh-huh. 10 bucks. There you uh-huh. go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, I, I was telling Ben while I was there uh, that this is a lot like going to the Comic-Con exhibit floor, uh-huh. but without the stress yeah. and the crowd. Yeah. And it's open like, twice a week, right? It's, yeah. it's yeah. crowded, but it's not insufferable. No, it's not a Comic-Con like, at all. The, the biggest headache you're going to get going to Frankenstein's is parking. Just, is parking. God, that and we got, I went to, we got I had lucky. to walk a mile. Yeah, yeah, we got lucky. We got right when we got there, a parking spot opened up right where you walk in, where the, all the trading cards are. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You guys went early, right? Too. We no, we got no, there in leather. Like oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right then, you it just was got like, lucky then, yeah. Parking was mad. Parking was like kind of like, oh god. But right when we got there, a spot opened up. And we're like, cool, dibs. We got lucky. Because sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you unfortunately don't. Yeah, yeah. But uh I just that just life. No, I just love it because the whole time we were because we went. I mean, Adam and I we've been there multiple times, so we know where to go. But Sparks didn't, so we went aisle by aisle, store by store, looking at everything. And there are times we're looking at those like giant Funko booths, and Sparks is like, "Oh man, I'm in trouble." <laughs> I see. Uh, be, uh be, um, I don't know. It's not Bandai, but another company just set, put out these brand new Gundam Universe figures that are awesome. They're pre-built. They're like the plastic Bandai toys that I still have, and they're awesome booster selling them for 25 bucks mm. and i'm like i want this because they have the original gundam gundam wing and um the unicorn gundam and sparks over here is like oh no you're in trouble and then i see this one transformers figure out of the box but it was king starscream oh, oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah the crown uh-huh. stuff yeah he yeah. has the crown it, it, and the guy had him priced for 30 dollars and i'm like 30 dollars for <clears throat> kings i'm freaking out yeah. and then sparks is like Oh man, you're in trouble, you're in trouble man. man. You're in That's trouble. That's Frankenstein's is like colon. Frankenstein's trouble. <laughs> yeah, like we're walking through and and Sparks is like, man, I love this place. This place is great. My wallet's gonna effing kill me. This is horrible. Yeah, it is a collector's uh, paradise. That's great. It is. Yeah. And it's a good place. It is, and uh, the three of us and Brandon, of course, you're invited to come as well if you're able to. Are planning a boys' night to Frankenstein's. To to be honest with you, um, I remember going to San Diego Comic Con many times uh-huh. and browsing a lot of the comic booths and feeling like the deals aren't so good. I have to take advantage of them. Yeah. They're like all right, mm-hmm. but they're not beating like I you know there some a lot of them are used copies and they're not beating what I could get on Amazon used or eBay used for most of the titles. I rarely mm-hmm. find something there where I'm like gotta get it. Mm-hmm. I found a lot more things here where I'm like oh no these prices like. These beat it. These yeah. are these are either equal or better, and I'm I'm I'll go for that. And I, there are some booths like there's this big giant guy who has the biggest video game booth there. It's like a huge combobulated mess, and some of the stuff he has in there is pretty cool. But then the prices for things, some booths have better prices for the same item or different items. Like um, I saw an N64 at one booth that was priced for fifty bucks. And he had the same exact one for sixty. Yeah, you gotta you gotta so, check around. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta snoop around. You gotta look around. But once again, you find something you like. Yeah. It's it's a, like last it, time it's uh, a treasure hunt. Last it's time awesome. I went, I bought uh, the first appearance of the Hulkbuster for yeah. fifteen bucks. Yeah. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, really cool. Yeah, it's it, I really like it. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of and cool. And there's always like vendors there. like rotating in and out, uh-huh. so there's always new stuff, which yeah. is the coolest thing. It's like it, it really is like a comic con without mm-hmm. all the sh- all the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. And also, well, when we went. They had a Smash Bros. tournament going on. Oh, nice. And they also have arcades, or they have an arcade. 
And speaking of our kids, we also went to, later on after we had lunch and Adam and I decided not to go to our 10-year reunion because we are like, no, nah, we'd rather stay close to home and play video games and not drive all the way out to freaking Pasadena. Yeah. Uh-huh. We went to Lost Levels down in Fullerton and they changed their whole layout. Before it was you have it Lost was, it, it was a store and you have a decent arcade, but the arcade games you have to use quarters. Now it's still a store, but the arcade is like neon where you pay 30 bucks or not 30 bucks. You pay five bucks for 30 minutes or $10 all day. Yeah. That's yeah. a good deal. And it was... I'd like damn. to go to Neon now. Yeah. Ne- it's so good. Yeah. yeah Neon, it's we a, went there once. It's a bit yeah. of a drive, but it's still really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And damn it, Sparks, how the hell did you beat me in Marvel vs. Capcom? Because that used to be my game, and I am like... It's, you kicked my ass! You said it yourself, Ben. Used to be my game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was... Uh, I felt real <laughs> bad, because like uh, he asked me early in the day, he's like, you want to do Marvel vs. Capcom 3? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel like getting my ass handed to me right now. Because mm-hmm. that's not my kind of game, and I've never touched the arcade version of Marvel vs. Capcom. I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. And then uh, we played a lot of other things. And then Ben's like, how about this? And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And so we go into it. And uh, and it, it went a lot better for me than I anticipated. Yeah. <laughs> Although the fun thing is we uh, we played through all of The Simpsons, the old arcade game. Never went through, the got past the first level in that game because, I mean, I never played that game free play, so I'd always have to pump quarters in it. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, nah, I'm done. I'm going to play something else. He and I played through the whole Simpsons game. And uh, we yep. also played through all of House of the Dead too. Yep. And I also, you didn't get the chance to, but I played through the entire Star Wars trilogy arcade game. I forgot how much I hate that lightsaber stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because it's, uh-huh. it's inverted. Because it's inverted. Yeah, I, that's always been a bane. Up, up yeah, is yeah. down, and down is up. But left is still left, and right is whoever still right. Whoever the hell thought? Whoever thought of inverted controls should well, be shot? Well, it's, it's only messed up because everything else isn't. Because it's flight controls. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. But but you, when you're a regular person fighting someone, it's like, still inverted. Our friend Pi really prefers inverted controls. I know there are a lot of people who like it. It's just it's weird. I don't get I it. I don't get it. I don't you should at it. least have the option to. To change Absolutely. it, yeah. uh, and it's really frustrating the lightsaber fights because I'm like, I could do this if it wasn't stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've gone through Star Wars arcade quite a few times, so I'm like, every time I get to those lightsaber sections, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, uh huh, hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we should all. Uh, the point being, mm-hmm. we should all do a Frank and Sons trip together, yeah, and an arcade trip together because I had a blast. Yeah, boys night, boys night, boys night. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, let's see, I saw Shaft. This week, Shaft. Oh, that's so that was this week that you yeah, saw it. I okay, saw I felt like you talked about it, but go on. No, it's 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 awful. It's one of it's the worst film I've seen all year. I've heard nothing but awful things. Yeah. Like it, it's just, it's the most. I've never really understood. I've like I understood, but I never re- really like got the term tone deaf before until I saw Shaft. Oh yeah, and then like that term clicked into place for me. I'm like, oh, that's this is what that means. In the first five minutes, they're like. Millennials are all stupid and lazy. Uh, we can't be seen as Islamophobic, even though we are. And black people hate gay people. Mm. And I'm just like, so this is the movie I'm watching. Oh, we just started cool. too. Cool, can't wait to see where this goes. How oh, and Sam Jackson. P- how much is he in it? He's in the whole movie. Oh wow, Sam Jackson is in it. Okay. Richard Roundtree is in it far less. Mm. Uh, Sam Jackson, first time we see him, he's got like. Um, he was going down on a girl. We interrupt him going down on a girl. As Shaft does. And let me tell you, I love Sam Jackson. You all know I love Sam Jackson. Dude's 70. Yeah. He's starting to look it. Yeah. And when you are when you have him playing Richard Roundtree's son, it doesn't work anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't work It's kind work of almost anymore. like Glass where like his mom was younger it's, than him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, at least they gave her makeup and they tried to like make him look younger. Yeah. But they he can't pull off 20 years younger anymore yeah yeah 
At least he's getting to that point. They don't have Disney CGI money. No, <laughs> no they don't. actually, you know what? They do uh, de-age him in the 80s. There is a flashback to the 80s. Does it look good? It looks good. Yeah. Actually, I would argue it looks just as good as Captain Marvel. Cool. Good enough. Um, it's easier to do that for a scene than a whole movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was It was awful. It, it, like, it's like, really unfortunate. Sparks, you asked me, like, when something to see Men in Black, like, why didn't I give that a lower score? I said, because it didn't make me angry. This actively angered me. Yeah. Like, this is this is terrible. Sure, Zorro. that's a shame because like it was like it's supposed to be like this like generational thing. It's like all yeah. and it's like supposed to be like yeah, it's gonna bring everyone together. And I like, thought that was like there's there's a market for the doing idea. a Shaft film yeah. with Richard Roundtree and Sam Jackson and someone else. And I think the three of them are actually really good together. Uh, the three Shafts are are good and they they do the best with what they got. But they have good chemistry. They play off each other really well. But they're all just like and Richard Roundtree says the N word more times than ever. Which Shaft gets the most shafted? Uh, Richard Roundtree. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> he's well, the. What's actually really, but really sucks about that is that he's the original. Yeah. So you think he should be a That's more prevalent I, role? I figured Sam yeah, Jackson. Old shaft. Sam Jackson being the big lead would be like like not the cameo, but like the smallest one. Yeah. But I, it's he's like the main. So, I didn't realize that because wow. Richard Roundtree was in three movies and a TV series as Damn. John Shaft. Damn he, dog. he revolutionized the role. That's his role. Yeah. Sam Jackson did the one movie in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it. Who's the new Shaft? Jesse T. Usher. Okay. He's fun. Yeah. I like him. In Shaft the movie. Jr. But it's just not Cast good. Cast well, isn't really the problem. Lil Shaft? No. It's yeah. not. Well, Ryan, it does bring everyone together. It brings everyone together in hating this movie. Oh, yeah. Guess true. who directed it? It's somebody good, right? Like, no. It's oh, the it's director not. from the first Fantastic Four films. Oh, Tim Story. Yeah. He did Barbershop. That's the only good movie he's ever made is Barbershop. I'm sorry, Tim Story. Yeah, he's... I'm sorry, but It's terrible. It's a bummer. Um, I also saw. I went to see the re-release of Avengers. Oh wow, you did that already? Yeah, nice. I didn't even realize like it was com- It already came out because I want to see it. I yep, know it's Friday. coming, and I I knew it was coming. I'm like, I'm gonna go see it the fifth time. I'm going to see it, and then other stuff happened. Five horror truth- movies. Guys, truthfully, guys yeah. will be there for a few more weeks. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Truthfully, I had nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend and my brother were both out of town, and I had honestly like nothing to do. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, whatever. I'll just was this yesterday? It. Yeah. Oh man, we should have just texted you. <laughs> uh, and we, so I went to see Avengers. So I went to see it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, uh, it is just as good. Yeah. Um, the something about the extra stuff. Yeah. The extra stuff is not worth it. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely not. I figured like, after the first report, so like, hey guys, don't expect a lot. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, and don't expect a lot. Like, yeah. there's well, Anthony Russo, um, opens the movie. He's like, hey, thanks for coming back. And that's it. That's it, and then and then it does the then plays the movie, then the entire credits roll, and then there's this tribute to Stan Lee, okay, which is really touching and really sweet. It's about all of his cameos, and I really I I, I liked that. But there's no additional endgame footage. There's a deleted scene that you can tell why it was deleted. Uh, uh of the Hulk saving a bunch of people from a burning building. Mm. Uh, and it's fine. It's whatever. It's not done. It's deleted for a reason. Probably. It's deleted for a reason. Um, and then there's. The first two minutes of Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, right? Oh, I don't want to. Uh-huh. I wouldn't want to see that. Actually, it's it's in the trailer. It's the trailer shot where Mysterio is like, "You're in over your head." Oh, okay. And yeah. that's that's it. And that's kind of where it ends. Okay. Okay. So I guess like, I don't need to see whatever. it again. <laughs> I, I mean, but you wanted to see it again. Just I mean, I as a just, movie, yeah. which I you can do because you don't have to stay after the credits to watch that stuff. That's true. You're yeah. Right. I needed an, truthfully, I needed something to do. Yeah. I needed an excuse to see it again. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. It's horrible. There's the worst ways to kill three hours. Absolutely. How many times have you seen it, Brandon? It's been a fourth time. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it four times too, and I w- would like to go see it a fifth, but at the same time, it's like, if that extra stuff isn't worth it, then I'm probably not going to go. 
I mean, if you like, I don't yeah, have. I, to I want, want to see it again. Part of me wants to help it beat Avatar, but I don't at the same have to time, pay for tickets. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, so you it's, don't have to pay for it's tickets. Easy I do for me so. to, to to make this. Decision. It's not playing at our cheap theater either. It's not. I don't. I don't think I saw it there. Oh, and I didn't Hold even on. get the damn poster. <laughs> they were out of posters by the time I got there. I, I'm not surprised about that. That's yeah, a shame. That was a bummer. Yeah, packed theater though. That's good. Yeah, packed theater. I saw a couple tweets like showing like their theater. Like, wow, our theater's full. I'm like, that's cool. Good. Other than that, I caught up on Venom. Venom. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I caught up in Venom. Uh, it was really interesting reading Venom and you're reading like the Donny Cates stuff and then Cullen Bunn jumps on for three issues and there's a sharp dive in quality. Uh, some good imagery. Some good imagery. There's some like uh, runic Venom suits and like Viking Venom. And I've some, seen some, some of that stuff. stuff like yeah, that. yeah. But ultimately, the it, it does the thing that it's I really... It's Italian issues, right? Yeah, it's Italian yeah. issues. But it also... it So it starts in a place... Does a story that loops back around to end at the exact same place it started, yeah. so that when Donny Cates come on, it would be it's as like if you nothing, happen. nothing happened. Yeah, that's the. I wish like uh, you have to have tie-ins, but I wish they would do what they're doing with other tie-ins. Like they're just making like, oh, this is a three-issue miniseries. Yes. Just make that a Colin Bunn's Venom miniseries. Don't yes. put this in Venom Seventeen or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't like when they do that. I agree. Um, and a couple of Guardians of the Galaxy. That book's freaking great, dude. That book is awesome. That book is. And you were you were absolutely right about the add in the landing feel. Yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, the things they're doing with like Gamora and like and like Thanos, like uh, I, I don't know if the, he, Than- the stuff with Thanos and Eros was so good. And like Nova's back, like all yeah. these classic characters. Like this is what I wanted from a Guardians book. And then the Silver Surfer. I also read Silver Surfer Black. I, I haven't read that yet. It's Damn. so good. And I tried more. Does like, the holy art, crap? Yeah, yeah. It's Donny Cates killing it. I'm gonna have to. I just might have to find a, a comic store around us. Because I need, there is. I can't wait a, like a month. To I, get I know of one that's on from Mountain Avenue. It's right, close cool. by. If it's close, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm about to start Immortal Hulk. Get the, get, a, get up on that. Right on. Right yeah. on. Oh, um, no. So one other thing I was thinking about. So I didn't mention this a few week, uh, last week, but um, I kind of cheated off of you, Brandon, or stole your idea. Because you know how on your Instagram stories you post all yes, the movies. Yes, you, you did this with your video games. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that to my video games now. And I'm almost done with Final Fantasy Twelve. Think you'll get to 100 video games by the end of the year? I know I'm not going to. <laughs> I definitely know I'm not going to. But I just I checked to see how many hours just for just for hell. I was like, how long? Because I've been playing Final Fantasy Twelve off and on throughout the whole year. Thanks because of Spider Man, Kingdom Hearts. Now, I 3. feel like it's been more than a year. Yeah, I feel like you've been playing this game for a long time, dude. I put 70 hours in that game. Yeah, and I'm at I'm just about to go to the last boss to the last like final bit of the game, but I'm trying to get all like the side stuff done. Mm-hmm. And last night I'm just looking at Final Fantasy 12. I'm like, I love this game. Yeah, and I look over to the side because I I want to play Mega Man 11 next, and then Crash Bandicoot because CTR Nitro Fuel just came oh out. I got the Witcher 3 waiting in the wings. So I'm just like Ben. I, you, no, I don't even. You don't even think about The Witcher. I'm not is, thinking about that the, is a Breath of the Wild like 200 not, hour. Thing. I'm not thinking about The Witcher, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, I'm looking at 12. I'm like, I know I want to do a lot of stuff. That's your firstborn stuff. child, The Witcher 3. I want to. <laughs> that's how much time you're gonna de- I, uh, dedicate to. That's it. good. Because so tonight, after we're done with this, I might just say F it and just be 12, just yeah. straight because my characters just are get like it done, man. they're around level 50, and I want to play something new now. Get it done. Yeah. I, I love this game though. Yeah. It's so much fun for me. Ugh. I feel you. Um. All right. Should we get into our Bread and butter? Mm, yes, please. Let's do it. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. So before we get into it, we do have some sad news. Uh, this week saw the passing of, of character actor Billy Drago. Mm. Yes, very commonly a, a villain, most famously for things like The Untouchables. 
and Charmed. Charmed. I Bri- recognize him from The Hills Have Eyes. I recognized him from Briscoe County Jr., which yes. is a short-lived TV series. Lots of things. Uh, he was also in Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. That's another one of his big ones. Um, if you've seen his face, like Google Billy Drago, if you've seen it, you've seen his face, and you'll be reminded. He's like, he's like, oh, that guy. He's like one of those uh, character actor guys. In, yeah. In Briscoe County Jr., he never blinked. I believe that was really just a skill he had. He was yeah. really talented, and he was good at what he did, and and that's awesome. Uh, he was seventy three years old, and he uh, passed away from complications of heart failure, and that's oh. really that's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, it's really um, poor one out for you, Billy. Strong life. Uh, yeah. Wait, how he old kept, was he? Seventy three. Seventy three. Uh, he kept working up until two thousand fourteen. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah very cool. Right on. Uh, good for him for having such a recognizable career. Yeah. You know, it's not a lister level, but you've seen him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, then to start off, we've got a couple of casting announcements or news. Well, one of them is announcements. Whatever. Uh, Ghostbusters 2020 is the official title for the new Ghostbusters film. I'm not afraid of it. Um, as far as we know. And uh, they've recently cast Paul Rudd. Hell Ghostbusters yeah. 2020 is the official title. Mm-hmm. Really? Wow, it's terrible. I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. M- most likely will. Just call it Ghostbusters 3. What are you doing? It, yeah. might, just be, it, it just, might just call it Ghostbusters. <sighs> Again? No, they can't just call it Ghostbusters. They ha- there are three films called Shaft. No, I know, but they can't. They wouldn't. But because of the because of that. That one just came that's out. Almost, that's almost a spit in the face of <laughs> that, that <laughs> other yeah, one. Yeah, kind of. There are two yeah. films called Halloween. I know that Ghostbusters yeah. one was technically well, the called thing Ghostbusters it, Answer the Call, but they still can't do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Brandon, the Halloween ones, those are like 30 plus years apart. The Shaft films are no, I, three I'm, Shaft movies. I'm with you. It's the fact that this this would be like an insult to that movie. They they have to call it something I, else. I, I would not be surprised if Ghostbusters 3 is going to be, because it's all the original cast. It's a sequel yeah. to 2. They like, have to call it 3. It, it, oh, yeah. it makes the most sense. That, I mean, but through that logic, why didn't they call Halloween Halloween 2? Which Halloween 2? Be- 2019. Oh, because 2019. there's two Halloween 2s. That's the same logic. There, like, I think there actually is no logic to any of this. I don't think there is. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. There is no logic to these naming conventions anymore. I mean, I, I agree with you on the sense that like they don't have to not call it Ghostbusters by the logic of like the I think Halloween just films and the Shaft films. Mm-hmm. I think it's an aggressive move towards I think it's, that yeah. Ghostbusters yeah, film they made a few years ago. There's not as big a gap as the other films you're talking about. I think they have ago. to give it some kind of number or subtitle. Yeah, and I, I think I it should disagree. be Ghostbusters 3. Ghostbusters 2020 is stupid. Sorry, just but saying yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, Paul Rudd has been cast. He d- he po- he, the announcement came from him uh, on the Instagram talking about like, oh, look, I'm at the... He's on the set. <laughs> I, I'm at the... Yep. No, it was it was actually on... Um, it was the building. It was the fire, next to the, the building. building, the building right? the yeah. Oh, and not on set. Okay. Uh, like people were taking pictures. Like, look at all these stupid people taking pictures. Him Him doing it is the most excited... I've been about this movie so far. Mm-hmm. It just gives me more. I actually am more interested hope. in yeah. the entire cast. I mean, I, I'm if Bill, if all of them are coming back, and again, I really like the director. So like, uh, my, this just makes me happier. Man. My my whole thing has been because one of the original four has passed away. Yeah. I'm not that invested as much as I like those actors and those characters in the original cast getting back together to be the main people for a film because mm-hmm. a key piece of it is missing anyway. Yeah, which is why I much prefer the handoff idea. Mm-hmm. But Paul Rudd being in it does. Oh, make you know me the happier. story of what the movie is? It's, it's it is a handoff movie. No, I do, I do. Well, yeah, but but I'm saying, but I'm saying, like I, I was more interested in it, uh, in the capacity of like what they were doing with the the ladies if they had been in that as a handoff, uh, than this being a selling point of the main cast actually returning as yes. those characters and we're still missing one of the the guys. Yeah. But they were just cameos in that last movie. That's anyway. what I was always saying about the about Ghostbusters. It was far more interesting if after Egon's death. The three of them are like, we need to either be done, or we need help, or we need something because we're way over. We're we're now way in over our head. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah, 
Paul Rudd has <coughs> joined the cast um, as far as he joins Finn Wolfhard and the girl from Annabelle Comes Home, which I'm forgetting her name. The young one? The, the blonde l- one or the brunette? The little one. Oh, uh, the one. Uh, McKenna Grace. McKenna Grace. Yes. And uh, who plays the mom? Their mom? I forgot uh, her name too. Sigourney Weaver? No, 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 no. I oh, uh, um, um, the she was in Godzilla. Shit. Oh, Vera Famiga. There we go. No. No? No, she's not. It's not her. Oh. Who are we talking about? I, I'll Google. She's blonde. She's but who? But who? But what? What are we? Who are we talking Look, about? Look, I'll just Google. Continue talking about. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, she. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, as I've said, I'm interested in the entire cast. I'm like again, like uh, I, I, I don't want to backtrack on that 2016 Ghostbusters or whatever, but like uh, that movie's just, just like I don't like that movie for for scripting and character reasons. Like the original Ghostbusters is a perfectly crafted scripted comedy. I it is like not it about improv. I don't like it because of the director. I haven't seen it, yeah. and I mean, I like the first Ghostbusters movie. Granted, I might be. Did like, you see it, Brandon? I don't remember. Yes, I okay, couldn't get through it. I'm, I was like twenty oh, Annie years. Oh, Potts, who I'm the girl I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I was like twenty. I haven't seen Ghostbusters until six years ago when Brandon sat me down and forced me to watch it. So yeah. Oh, was, sorry, Carrie Coon. I was wrong twice. Oh, Carrie Coon. Carrie oh, Coon. from the Leftovers. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but so far I don't have a love of Ghostbusters. I have a love for the song because I listened to it ever since I was a kid. But other than that, it's like cool. They hunt you don't ghosts. have a love for the originals? Not really. The original I, Ghostbusters is actually one of my favorite movies. I, I know, and I remember when you uh, and our friend Andrea sat me down to finally watch the damn thing. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a funny movie. As one of my favorite lines is like, "Yes, sir, it's true. He has no dick," or even all the the spooky yeah, ghost stuff. Tracks. Like the Zool, Zool. There, that was cool. And there stay, is no Dana. Only and the, Zool. And the Are you stay the key puff, master. Yes, and the Stay Puft Marshmallow oh, scene is really cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Other than that, it's like, yeah, it's cool. I can see why people like it. It just doesn't then strike a big ass chord with me. This R- surprises when someone me. asks you if you're a god. You, you say, say yes. yes, and you this said it's been like six years since you saw it. Um, when uh, was I still in college? Were we still in we college? Still in college. Yeah, well, I wonder I, if you'd rewatch it now. You have a greater maybe. appreciation for it. This surprises me because this is it just feels like those films are very alley. much your alley cup of tea kind of thing. So it surprises me you're not. We'll rewatch it fan. one of these days. Well, well the thing is, well, I like Ghostbusters. I know, I know. We'll rewatch it before the new one comes out. Okay, because I Ghostbusters two, I still haven't seen. I hadn't seen twenty sixteen. It's fine. And I mean, will I? If I see the if someone gifts me the original Ghostbusters films on Blu Ray, sure, I'll keep it. I'm not gonna get rid of it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm gonna I like watch that it. There's all these oh, no. like these all these like, conditions and stipulations yeah. to yeah. his enjoyment of it's, Ghostbusters. I still enjoy it. I still yeah. enjoy it. I just don't have a deep love for That's Ghostbusters fine. that everyone yeah. else does. No, so for me, it's like. When I heard that they're making Ghostbusters three, I thought, "Well, how come the other one wasn't?" Paul Rudd makes literally everything better. So as I, I was getting older, uh, Ghostbusters um, was my favorite. Was like the third favorite film of all time. Yeah. And then I kept watching Young Frankenstein. I'm like, Nah, it's this one. I, I I don't mean to tangent on Ghostbusters or anything, since I really don't have I a stake. Of no uh, I don't have a horse in this race, but I I have some feelings and words. So there you go. Uh, all right, then uh, moving on to a film that is officially not happening. <laughs> it's just just hilarious to me. Uh, the Eternals. Um, what? Wait, that is, uh, wait, what? What do you say? No, it's just hilarious to me that we're getting casting announcements for a film that is officially not a movie. Oh, oh. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh, just like Black Widow is filming, but it's officially not announced. Right. Man, the news on that movie, what, what's in that movie makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so The Eternals uh, was reportedly casting Salma Hayek. Yep. Since oh. the previous reports have never been debunked or proven in true, exactly. I'm assuming this is still correct. Yep. Yeah. So he's uh, supposedly going to start filming 
re-listen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, again, like the rumor is after Black Widow, we've had yeah. like four or five. It's supposed to start in August. Yeah. Four yeah. or five reports about Eternals. I'm like, one of these is at least true. Yeah. Uh, if any of these are true, again, like this movie is incredibly diverse. Like, yeah, incredibly diverse. I'm okay with that. Uh, which is awesome, and it's trying to represent you know the whole universe and because the universe people. is diverse. It's really cool. I'm into it. I'm really into it. I have yeah. not been upset with a single person I've heard about being no. rumored for these. So yes, I'm, yes, I agree. I'm 100 there. Yeah. Camille Nagyani is in this movie, right? He sure Supposedly. is. Supposedly. Okay. We have to. We, he, we he do have to supposedly. say supposedly. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> officially the, the movie is not yeah. officially yeah. happening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We'll know in July though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Comic Con. They do have a presence in Comic Con. So I it. where they'll announce the whole Phase Four slate. Okay. It'll be interesting. To Matt see. Smith's gonna show up on that stage. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not in this one. <laughs> no. I'm not in Star Wars. Thank <laughs> you. Um. And we have a. A uh, little quick news about Enola Holmes. A little while back, they announced a film based off the book series Enola Holmes, starring Millie Bobby Brown. She's producing, her first time producing. Really? Um, I was like 15. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Good for her. All right. Uh, Harry Bradbeer is directing, and Jack Thorne is writing. Uh, both are competent people. Mm-hmm. I uh-huh. have not disliked anything they've done. Okay. Uh, Henry Cavill has recently been cast as Sherlock Holmes. I'm down. The older brother of Enola Holmes. Well, I mean, he went from playing uh, a monster hunter detective to just playing an actual detective now. So that is I mean. an age gap. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. But uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited. I just like Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah like, and his take on Sherlock Holmes, I'm sure, will be interesting. I bet he's gonna be incredibly charming. I mean, like, I'm thinking like Man from Uncle, but you he's know, already. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's already more spy stuff. Also, be cool to have just. I don't know if he's actually used his real accent in a movie before. I'm pretty sure he has. I just don't. Maybe Immortals. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Oh my God, that might be it. Yeah, because every other movie, like Superman and uh, Man from Uncle, he's yeah. uses American accent. Yeah. And I bet even uh, The Witcher, he's using his main, his real accent. Yeah, definitely. Witcher. Yeah, yeah I would see that. But still, I mean, Henry Cavill, Sherlock Holmes. I'm oh, down. but The Witcher has like a weird American accent, actually. <laughs> Why? He kind of sounds like this. It's a fantasy. <laughs> it's a fantasy world. Fantasy is always British. Not, not always. That, fantasy is not always. That's British. not. That's sh- the common. That's the rule of thumb. British is foreign, so fantasy is foreign. British. No. I I see what you're saying, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, this would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something that's not cool, Deadly Class was officially not picked up by Uh, another network. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, we tried so hard. Rick Remender said so on Twitter. It's not happening. Yeah. All all the fans tried real hard. The actors have talked about it and sad. Man, this is one of the, like, things get canceled all the time, but, like, I have never seen an outcry. Well, I mean, because because I'm into this stuff, but like uh, on Twitter, like every single actor on that show was constantly tweeting about it because they love this show so much. Uh-huh. Uh, every actor, every creator, Rick Remender is like, man, we like I believe in this show. I think we're gonna get picked up a couple weeks ago. Uh, and today's like, no, man, it's not happening. It really sucks. But we have the comics; they'll always be there. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for giving us this journey. We got one season at least. Uh, but it's just like in a world where. Uh, creators are getting involved with their shows and making them the best that they possibly can be. Yeah. People just aren't showing up. Uh, cause I think it's there's an interesting thing I've noticed with uh, prestige television has uh, comic book comic book television has really like come into come into its own during this prestige television era. Mm-hmm. Um, really trying to make something special, but uh, but for whatever reason, the more niche comic properties, Deadly Class, the Preacher, all oh, the Preacher did pretty well. Preacher is like Preacher's uh, fine. It's it's gonna f- have a fourth. And uh, final but I'm, I'm using I'm using that as an example yeah, to yeah, yeah. continue this thought. Yeah. Um, things things along those nature, the prestige comics, the idea that they're not superheroes, they're not Batman, Superman, they're not Batman, Superman. They seem to have a difficult time. Keeping an audience, less, uh, not so much finding, but keeping the audience. Yeah. I'm not too sure why that is. I think that this show would have done it shouldn't better have been if on it sci-fi. started 
not on sci-fi. Yeah, because something like I don't Lucifer think, is on I don't like think this would have been yeah. canceled after a season if it wasn't on sci-fi. I don't think a show like this belonged on sci-fi. I don't think the audience that watches sci-fi wanted this show, mm-hmm. but an audience that watches FX or yeah. AMC or Netflix, they would have watched this show. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I yeah. have a feeling Deadly Class would have done amazing on FX. Yeah. Look what I the, think uh, Umbrella Academy, if it wasn't for Umbrella Academy, probably Deadly Class could have found a home yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this because you brought up Preacher, like this, this would have fit just fine on FX. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and look what FX is doing with Legion. Yeah, Legion's yeah. coming up. Deadly and Class would have done oh, just yeah. fine. Its audience Especially is one hundred percent the kind of audience that would have watched this show. Mm-hmm. I would say if if it wasn't for Sci-Fi, definitely FX or AMC would have taken Deadly Class and ran with it. And you it. know what? Like that's not let's not bash Sci-Fi. No, no, they, not, they put in a lot of money into this film, a lot of not, creative talent. It's not me series. bashing Sci-Fi. It's me saying that the audience that typically watches stuff on Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. this is not a show for them. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I don't even think Happy was, but Happy was was more comedic in nature. People are willing to give that more of a shot. This was not this more was, comedic by nature, and it didn't sell itself that way because it shouldn't. And I don't think that the audience was going to be there on this channel for that show, but they would have been because that's a, it's over at FX or AMC because that's more the kind of material that's there all the time anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that it would have been canceled after a single season if it had started there, which is what sucks. Yeah. Because it's, it's a quality, quality show, and it's a real shame that none of those networks decided to pick it up. I mean, I'm really shocked. It's a bummer. I, sadly, I am too. I really thought that uh, FX would go for it. I to be honest, sadly. When the show was coming out, I didn't have a way to watch sci-fi, sci-fi unless it was on the phone. I had to do that whole sign-up, but just you know, jump through the hoops so you can try to watch some of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. And the, I remember watching that first episode. I'm like, yo, this is like really good. I was really looking forward to getting to the Acid King part because that was one of my favorite parts. And you of- still should. Like, it's still worth watching. Yeah. Just because it's canceled, you should still watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the DVD sales. Yeah. Uh, not. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, y- you might not be able to save the show, but the the art is still there to be appreciated, mm-hmm. and it's still good to go and do that. Uh, I w- told Ryan how I was listening to another podcast where they talked about how two of the two of the people on there, only one of them had watched this, the first episode of Swamp Thing, and the other hadn't even watched it at all. But they both had DC Universe, mm-hmm. and they're like, now that I know it's canceled, I don't think I'll watch it. And I'm like, that's not that's not good logic. Just no. because no. it's canceled, not not only could your viewership possibly save the show, but it's also that. Yeah. People put hard work and it's good art and it should be appreciated just because it's canceled. Like if we took that same logic to comic books, how many comic books wouldn't we read? Yeah. That's actually, stupid. It's a stupid logic. Now that yeah. you mentioned that, a friend of mine on uh, Facebook, she was saying how much she loves Swamp Thing. And I'm like, just just keep watching it. I know it's canceled. Just just keep watching. Also, I forwarded her a link to our Fake Nerds Watch. Watch <laughs> Fake Nerds Watch. And our <laughs> friend uh, Angie, when we saw at Frankenstein yesterday, yeah. she was talking about like, oh, are you guys watching Swamp Thing? I'm like, Yes. Watch all the Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. Swamp it's, Thing is amazing. It, it, if you already have the DC streaming service, I don't think there's any excuse. You should be watching the show, mm-hmm. uh, frankly. Like, yeah. there's not that much on there to begin with. If you have it, you should yeah. be watching the yeah. show. Because you're not it's, watching it, that Birds it of Prey baffles, show. It just baffles me when people have a logic of I like, oh, that. because it's canceled, it's not worth going to. And it's like, just because Deadly Class is canceled doesn't mean that first season isn't worth right. watching. It is quality entertainment, and mm-hmm. you should be watching it. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on. Uh, Final Fantasy is apparently getting a live-action TV series. Um, uh, by Hive Mind, which is the developers, which is the developer behind uh, The Witcher mm-hmm. live action series. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, this is set. Uh, what was this? This is li- uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Yes. set. Final Fantasy fourteen. For those of you who do not know, Final Fantasy fourteen is a vastly large MMO 
And the cool the, the cool thing about it is when it first came out, the game was horrible, and then the developer the developers redid the whole thing, destroyed that original world, brought back the new one in Realm Reborn, and the game was great and it's highly loved, and everyone thinks that game is great. Yeah, uh, E3 had a, had oh, a yeah. huge showcase for Shadowbringers, Shadowbringers it's and it's like this huge expansion. Like so many people are crazy. I'm about seeing it. Uh, advertisements for Shadowbringers with Tom Holland and the oh my god from Spider Man doing like, what a stupid funny commercial. It, it, it's great. I, as a Final Fantasy fan, yeah, I love Tom it. Holland and Hannibal Buress do yeah. a commercial. So about as a Final Fantasy fan, I think this is the best way they could do it because we have had Final Fantasy films bef- and other media and Final Spirited Fantasy Away. Uh, Spirits Within. Spirits, Spirits Within. Also Advent and Children. Advent Children. Yeah. Not good films. You no. know, I do enjoy Advent Children a lot. Guilty Yo, pleasure. those fight scenes are great. Yes, they are. Story sucks. Sephiroth is kick-ass. <laughs> yes. Sure, However, I like Advent, Advent Children. Yeah. 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 Okay. However, all if you were to take, uh, say, Final Fantasy um, 8 or 9 or 12, those are straight linear stories and they would not Maybe twelve could fit into a TV show, but that's a huge budget. Whereas fourteen, you can make a completely—it's an MMO, so you can make completely. You can make your own character. original story just exactly. using Final Fantasy. Exactly, it's, it's the smartest. Like I said, it's the smartest thing they could have done. It with is. This. It is the smartest. Because they're not going to make a Final Fantasy seven movie. They're yeah. not going to make but a Final Fantasy ten show. Why does it need to be set within a game? Couldn't it be set? They tried, but let's, the let's thing say is, Brandon, they tried that. And it's called Spirits Within. If they let's say they want to make a movie that takes place in the world of Final Fantasy VII, then everyone expects all of the characters. Of yeah, Final Fantasy they VII. expect Cloud, Sephiroth, yeah. Eris. Because you all wouldn't, them. you would not make a Final Fantasy VII movie without those characters. Exactly. With this world, there there are like main characters in the world, but you yourself, yeah. your created character, is the main character. Yeah. So they can do a complete something completely original. Like the only main character, quote unquote, main character is a Final Fantasy staple, Sid. Yeah, he's but that's in show. every single game. Exactly, that's a shopkeeper. They're gonna, yeah. he's gonna show up eventually. They said they're gonna be chocobos. Cho- they'll be everything that's in like Final Fantasy. Every game, it's like a staple: chocobos, shopkeepers, like mm-hmm. Moogles. Yeah. Moogles, Moogles, Moogles. All like the, the the world stuff will be there, yeah. but having its own original story just allows them to be free. Which I'm which okay. Is, which which is smart, and they're not they're not tied down to right someone on. else's story. Right here, the show will feature Sid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, so the according to the press release, uh, it's. Uh, the original story is going to be is going to uh, explore the struggle between magic and technology in a quest to bring peace to a land and calm. Wow, that sounds like Final Fantasy. That's fourteen. That's Final Fantasy. That sounds like a lot of Final Fantasy. I'm I'm great. I'm happy. We don't know what's network if it's going to be on. I'm assuming Netflix because the guy who's doing The Witcher is is behind this. Yeah. So I'm assuming a Netflix, which I'm okay with. But I don't know if it's going to be live action. This or will be the first thing that Sony Television has developed. Yes, um, as I believe since so. they launched their new oh, kind of okay. branding. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if it's live action or animated. But as I would, I would assume live action. I would assume too. They said live action. Did they? Okay. 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 Well. If it's if Sony's fronting the money for this and Final Fantasy is a big big pull, they better front more money than they did Powers because my I, God, geez. I can't wait to see uh, all the. Live action costumes with all those belts and zippers. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Oh man! I mean, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I'm very cautious. You know what's our first test of live action, super silly anime stuff? Witcher, Monster Hunter. Oh shit! That comes that, out next year. You're right. I don't, think that's, soon? I don't yeah. think that's a fair test because this. No, is but a, those are dudes in giant no, pouches I, and I stupid agree, clothing. I agree with you, but this is being done by the guy who adapted the Resident Evil films, and those, th- like, this is going to be a far cry away from. Uh, no, this isn't Monster, Far Cry. Stop it. This yeah. is going to be a, a far step away from the Monster Hunter games. No, I and know. we already yeah. know that going into it. This probably will be more dedicated, so I don't know that that's no, a fair example mm-hmm. test. 
but you can you can at least admit that the Resident Evil movies have the aesthetics of they Resident do. Evil. We've seen scenes from the Monster Hunter movie that are dudes with giant swords and furry armor. So I know what that looks literally, like, and that looks like the, Final Fantasy. Literally, the swords you carry in the Monster Hunter yes. are as big as are bigger than you. That's what I mean. So this is the first test of having giant swords bigger than us in a big yeah. movie. Well, I don't know about fourteen, but I I sadly have never played fourteen. We watched the Tom Holland commercial. He has we a did, giant sword. Yeah, yeah, but we did watch the Tom Holland commercial, but I've never played the actual game, so yeah. I don't know. Because they obviously will throw DLC stuff like, hey, use Klaus Buster Sword. Bandit's a Final DLC. Fantasy. Yeah. There's a giant sword in it somewhere. I, yeah, I promise yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so giant swords Chris Parnell of the uh, of Sony Pictures Television, uh, he's the co-president, he said this, Final Fantasy fourteen and uh, Eorzea, I've been trying to pronounce that for a while. That's the world. That's the um, world. Don't worry about it. Are the perfect gateway into Final Fantasy for longtime fans and newcomers alike. Uh, this show is about embracing and embodying all of the elements that m- have made the mythos such an endlessly captivating phenomenon, and it's an immense honor to be bringing all of, sure, the world, uh, I, uh, all of the world's iconic characters, settings, and concepts, including fan favorites like Sid and, of course, the Chocobos, to life for the television audience. Chocobos are super cool. They are adorable and cute, and I want to ride one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. That's well, cool. cool. Yeah. Sorry, I just moved away from my page for a second. It's all good. No worries, bud. What was next? Flash Gordon ah. animated series, uh, animated movie is in development from Taika Waititi. Hey. Oh, so it is an animated movie. Yeah. Yes. yes, this is ah. great. This is so I uh, before I knew that it was animated. Like, does Taika Waititi is doing a Flash Gordon movie? Beautiful, perfect. Do you guys see Thor Ragnarok? That's yeah. a Flash Gordon movie. Uh, <laughs> the fact that it's animated means it can go even ballsier with a budget and do like literally whatever his imagination desires. So after doing like Akira, then to doing this, like. I'm, I'm, this guy could do whatever. This sounds awesome. Actually, something that I found most interesting about this is that this was a Fox property that Disney inherited. Hmm. So this is one of the few times that we've s- actively seen uh, Disney continue development with a movie at Fox um, that wasn't far along. Yeah. Because a cool. lot of the things that were just kind of starting have been kind of like, no, we're not doing that or we're not doing that yet. So this is something that Disney looks like they have enough faith in this mm-hmm. in this property to continue it along. Uh, probably under their banner and less so under the 20th Century Fox banner. But uh, uh, so apparently uh, Waititi is in early negotiations to write and direct. He's not. So he's not signed on yet. Um, he's going to be doing this immediately after he does Jojo Rabbit. So oh. it looks like before Akira. Okay. So I don't know. Or maybe he does this at the same time as Akira. Um, well, I think Akira is probably a way bigger movie than Jojo. Yeah, I would say. No, I, I know. But like after he's done with Jojo, uh, he's going into doing... A Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. So, and then it looks like Akira might be at the same well, time, f- or might be Akira's after. happening right now. Is like it? Akira is filming right now. It's in pre-pro. It's that. It's happening soon. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. They're it doing casting. Be, it could be at the same time because yeah. an animated film doesn't need a director on set all the time. That's true. right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas a live action film does. I, w- I yeah. would assume for Flash Gordon, he's gonna like hop in every once in a while. Well, he's gonna do director duties because I don't know what a director necessarily. And a director for an animated film has has slightly different responsibilities yeah. as a director of a live action film, but they I do assume, still have those responsibilities. I would assu- I would assume so, yeah. but still, like Ryan said, look at Taika's um, uh, track record since Thor Ragnarok. Or I mean, it's just Thor Ragnarok <laughs> because of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, because of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Julius Avery, who was the director of Overlord, was initially attached. Okay. Um, with Matthew Vaughn as a producer. Oh, that bums me out because that Overlord guy deserves some bigger movies. Oh, yeah. 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 Taika got his already. And Matthew Vaughn was uh, going to be a producer. Cool, cool, cool. So, so it's, it's changed a little bit. So. I'm just really excited because that sounds like super fun. Flash. I love Flash Gordon. So yeah, I, I do too. I really do. Yeah, I really like that sci-fi series. Savior of the Universe. That comic book is awesome. So, uh, which comic? 
the one that was Jeff Parker and uh, Doc Shaner came yeah, out a couple I years ago. Read that one. Yep. Uh, was that the one that did like all the uh, all the Darwin Cook covers? Mm, um, no, I mean maybe there were variants, but like Doc yeah. Shaner did the interior and the covers. Right. Maybe okay. might be thinking of a different thing. Um, all right, so Scream Resurrection, Scream. which is the third season of the Scream television series, uh, but it will be a complete reboot. A scream uh, boot. Hell yeah. Of the, it won't be acknowledging the first two seasons that aired on MTV, and it won't be acknowledging the movies, as far as we know. Uh, it will be a complete reboot airing on VH1 starting on July 8th. I just want more Scream. Yeah. It's just weird. It's just weird, care. like MTV to VH1. It's Scream, the TV show. Yeah. Like, reboot. Like, what's going on? And so due, to, uh, due to rights issues uh, having been resolved, they are able to use the ghost face mask. Huzzah. And they're getting like the original guy. You like yeah. scary movies, Sydney? I guess there were some Weinstein problems. We actually have a simil- similar issues with the Weinstein company having gone out of business. Uh, we're holding the entire film of Django Unchained uh, that we can't give back because Weinstein no longer exists. I mean, well, so, I mean that part's good, but <laughs> yeah. So we're just kind of like, what do we do with all this? Limbo Unchained, more like it. Uh, yeah, uh, we were supposed to do the same thing. Uh, it's out now, so I can say this. We were working on the. Hateful Eight is on Netflix, but it's in four parts. And it's like longer. the super edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we worked on that. That's awesome. And we were doing huh. the same thing for Django before Weinstein went out of business. That's 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 really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really that. Anything more on that one? Nah. No. no. I'm just, uh, I'll, I'll watch it. I'm, I don't think I finished season two of Scream for some reason. Well, now you I, don't have to. No, I want to. <laughs> I want to because I was into it. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just happy that there's still going to be more scream stuff because I I liked the show. It's different from the films, but I liked it. Yeah, I was interested in seeing the show. There were some actors in it I, I liked. Yeah, it's quality. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's move on to the DC Black Label. Uh, this comes after a week after we talked about it before with uh, being moved into Vertigo. Mm. Uh. Now it you looks mean Vertigo like moved into it. Vertigo moved yeah. into it. Yeah. So now it looks like they're actually moving forward with DC Black Label becoming a Vertigo esque. Uh, label unless so what it was yeah good that's smart um so we got i'll talk about the big one after this so we're getting a new series called the last god which will be written by philip kennedy johnson uh art by ricardo uh federici uh it's a creator own series so much like vertigo used to do with creator own Mm -hmm. series um, the solicitation for this says 30 years ago a fellowship of legendary adventurers saved their world by slaying the demonic tyrant Mol Ultep the last god following his downfall the realm entered a new age of peace and prosperity but a generation later when the leader of the original fellowship dies their children and successors learn their terrible lie the last god still lives a new generation of heroes must unearth the secrets that their parents kept and wow. set out to finish th- uh what was started thir- 30 years ago and this time they must not fail so it's gonna be a dual narrative we're gonna see both, uh, both this narratives. sounds man i don't think you guys read it but this sounds a lot like jupiter's legacy like oh, almost really? yeah about like families and like the kids of the old parents and like they defeated an ancient evil and it's like coming back i'm like holy shit this sounds just like jupiter's legacy uh this is october th- this will release on october 30th it'll be a 12 issue maxi series it's gonna be more in the horror bent i'm into it um that sounds cool you know, to me. Like Black Label is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the other thing, the big news, Joe Hill mm-hmm. has signed an exclusive contract to curate a new line. Have of you talked to Joe label. Hill recently? Ben? What? Joe Hill? What? Stephen King's son? <laughs> 
I love if you. If you weren't gonna do it, I was. Yeah. Slam, slams. Come I didn't even know he had. A, I didn't even know he had a kid. Wow, we what kind of friend are you? Before, so yes. Yes, Joe uh, Hill is the you son. Have of heard us say this. Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King. Wrote Lock and Key. Lock and Key. Oh, that guy. Okay. Uh, he That's is going to curate That's an entire crazy. line of DC Black Label titles. Um, called sorry, there's there's a name for this pop up in print. Hill House. Hill House Comics. That's cute. Yeah. Joe Hill. Hill House. Uh, so it's much like haunted. Wonder Comics. Oh, damn it. You're in, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, you got Haunting me. of Hill House. <laughs> so it's going to be like Wonder Comics, where it's a pop-up imprint within mm-hmm. uh, a, a label. Inception. Oh, my uh, God. We didn't... We're not... Never mind. Go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, 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 the four books will be The Dollhouse Family by Mike Carey uh, and Peter Gross. Uh, the Low, Low Woods by Carmen Maria Marchado. Uh, and this is just says Danny. It might be a typo. <laughs> uh, or he just goes by Danny. Hey. Uh, Daphne Byrne by Laura Marks and Kelly Jones. Mm-hmm. And Plunge by Joe Hill with no artist attached yet. Yet. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of awesome. interesting. A, p- a line of, of horror comics. Um, I wish I was called Vertigo, man. I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this is literally Vertigo. Yeah. It's like, wow, here's a bunch of cool creator-owned books. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's the thing. Like, what we were talking about last week, why didn't they just call it DC yeah, just, Vertigo? Yeah. yeah, just keep it, the DC, just oh, put well. DC in the front of it. That's when everyone called it anyways, but all right, fine. It's, I'm just glad that, like, they are doing uh, creator-owned stuff still with DC. Like, yeah. do whatever you want, just make it mature. Like, cool, that's cool. So it looks like, you know what? They said that nothing was going to change, except for the name. looks like nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. that's true. The name is stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is cool. This is I'm into news. it. More I sat on it, I was like, man, that's that is stupid. Does uh, Jeff Johns' imprint still exist? Kill, no, Killzone. As far as I know, it doesn't because Killzone. Did they announce a cancellation of that? No, they didn't. So what happened was the first time that it was announced, the solicitations for Shazam had it listed under Killzone, oh, and really? then from then on, it then never showed up again. I don't know what happened with it. I thought it was also supposed to be like a mature thing because Shazam's not mature. It wasn't. It was just supposed to be Jeff Johns' uh, curated imprint. Oh, uh, well, we'll get it, rid of it. It just kind of feels like. I, I've said this before. I think there's a rift between Jeff and DC right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, just I feel like there's some some rift there um, that probably stems from Doomsday Clock. Yeah. So but I don't know. Um, but the first the first title that will come out from uh, Hill Comics will be a Basket Full of Heads, uh, which is going to be written by Joe Hill, uh, by and art by Leo Max. Leo Max. Which I don't know. It's, uh, and then so, yeah. So five series, and Joe Hill had this to say. Anyone who's paying attention knows we're in the middle of a, of a new golden age of horror. Uh, films like Get Out, Hereditary, It Follows, and Plain Old, It, have raised the bar higher and higher. Um, so, yeah. So there's wants to have the creativity. I'm really glad he mentioned It Follows in that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Plain Old, It. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what, what they go with this. I'm one. into Man, you know me. I love horror stuff. So uh, give me more horror comics. Yeah. Especially if DC's putting them out. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we move into trailers? Uh, yes. So Marvel is, I'm pulling it up, uh, they are making one-act plays intended for high school productions. Hmm. This is super weird and cool. Um, this is going to be uh, officially launched as Marvel Spotlight, a collection of one-act stage plays starring different Marvel superheroes and designed for the teenage, de- teenage demographic. And the first round of scripts are uh, starring Thor and Loki, Squirrel Girl, and Miss Marvel. That's awesome. Good They're characters. written by two-time Tony-winning actor er, Christian Borle. Uh, one is Hammered, a Thor and Loki play, um, revolving around teenage versions of them, uh, competing for the favor of their parents through Asgardian Rites of Passage. Mm. And there's also, uh, penned by Karen Zacharias, founder of the Young Playwrights Theater, Squirrel Girl Goes to College, a Squirrel Girl play, 
follows Doreen Green as she attempts to balance her studies at the Empire State University with her superheroing. And then uh, written by award-winning composer and playwright Masi Asarai, uh, Mirror of Most Value, a Miss Marvel play. Stars Kamala Khan on journey of self-acceptance as she struggles letting her desire for superhero fame take priority over her school life and personal relationships. Heck yeah. That's cool. No. Um, they're so currently available for retail purchase, licensing within the educational theater market uh, through Samuel French. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, yeah, they look really cool. I'm actually yeah, super yeah. into this. I'm, I'm into glad that, yeah. this is happening. It doesn't really affect me because I'm not in high school anymore, but this is yeah. still really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I've recently... When I was in high school, uh, I was about to because you started with recently. I was like, no, no, no. Is the next part of that sentence you recently gone back to no, high no, school? No, 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 no. We're all uh, former children of drama. Yeah. So we're all former I think children. We can all appreciate this and how yeah. cool this would have been yeah. if we were still in drama. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, back when I was in high school, The Dark Knight just came out, and that was my senior year. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of and I was I actually wrote a monologue, a new Joker monologue in the same vein from oh, The Dark Knight. Man. I did. I did. Oh, I, I that's cute. It, <laughs> shut up. I sent it into uh, for like a like a writing thing at school, and my name wasn't picked. I would go talk to teachers like, "Hey, how come my thing wasn't picked?" And she's like, "Yours was the best one out of all." I'm like, all right, thanks, but how come I wasn't picked? She's like, "Cause it was terrifying. Mm. It was scary." And then after I graduated, I was like, "Man, you know what would been cool if I actually wrote some scenes of the." Um, about Batman's villains before they're like actually villains. I had this whole thing. I had a title for like a collection Gotham? of short scenes. No, Rogues Gallery. Gotham. Mm. They're all about um Batman's villains before they became villains. Yeah, Gotham. It's got it was gonna be It'd better, be better than, than that. it was <laughs> gonna be better than Gotham. Sparks, Shut up. Didn't you do a Joker monologue in high school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You were you wrote you wrote one kind of in the vein of killing joke, didn't you? Uh I took a blend of killing joke and something else and I think it was three different pieces, and I I built some bridging dialogue to make it all into one long monologue. Yeah, I recall yeah. that being really cool. Thanks. I did man. a monologue from uh, Chasing Amy, where Ben Affleck confesses his love to a lesbian. Nice. Cool. That's a, that's yeah, a was, good. That's it, a great movie. It was like for some arts festival, so something. You also played Captain Hammer. I did play Captain the Hammer once. That happened. <laughs> 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 all right, let's move into some trailers. Trailer time. Trailers. Um, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans was officially announced. Yep, as a straight DVD movie. Well, it's already <laughs> been announced. Well, we I know knew about this a while. We knew ago. about this, but I I thought this would be a. I thought th- I, initially when I first heard about it, I thought it was going to be within the TV show. Yes, and then I, I thought. I also did. And then I thought possibly another feature length, movie movie, but straight to DVD surprised me. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a thirty minute special, thing on the, on the television. Yeah. Um. I'm glad it's going to be like a full film. It's uh, going to be straight to DVD. Makes me feel I, like the quality isn't going to be there if it's straight to DVD, though. I mean... I mean, compared it, to like same, Teen same, Titans go to the movies. Right, but like, that's the same It's the same people. It's the yeah. same people who make the show. Then why not put it in theaters? Be, because... That's the thing. That's, that's probably not their choice as much as it is like yeah. Warner Brothers saying like, oh, yeah, but we don't want to... But I'm saying, like, getting all that Do goodwill that of, like, oh, wow, everyone wants to see the original Teen Titans. Like, you'd think putting it on the big screen if this is a full-length movie. Like, for me, hearing it's going straight to TV means, like, they don't believe in it. That's what it appears to me. Well, also, they have... Um, yeah, they probably don't believe in it as much, but also look at all the other straight-to-DVD films that have done decently well. But the thing that was introduced in a live action I, I guess what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but maybe, that, maybe that's the, what their, their strategy is. The strategy is people went and saw Teen Titans go to the movies. They saw the thing at the end. Maybe this will pull them to get Teen Titans, versus, Teen Titans go versus Teen Titans so they can see what happens I mean, after that. I think the thing is that they, when they 
would have greenlit this project, they weren't giving it the budget that they gave Teen Titans Go to the Movie, so the animation's not going to look that good. So yeah. you're not going to put that in theaters if the animation isn't given that kind of budget, because yeah. it will look less. It mm-hmm. looks more than the show, but less than the feature-length film. Yeah. And that was already going along, so even if the finished project is quality, you're not going to send it to theaters just because the animation budget's so low. It's probably a budgetary thing. Like, yeah. th- this film... This film looks to be more in line with what the TV series has to work with as a budget, less so what the film had to work with as a budget. It is a different creative team as well. Uh, there were there were handoffs between the film, but it wasn't the but it wasn't. There was a lot of people worked on that film, yeah. whereas not a lot of people are working on this film. Right. So I think that has a lot to a lot of factors to do with it. I don't think it is a quality thing. I think it's just kind of a budgetary thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be honest and say like I said this when it was announced but if this is all we get out of the seeing the original Teen Titans again is this this crossover thing then it's it I don't care much for that tease from the end of the film. That's I what thought I, mean, yeah. I was still standing by that. I hoped it was meaning we would get a new Teen Titans show, which is still what I want. Everyone wants uh, that. But getting this crossover thing, whether it's the 30-minute special or this movie, is like, cool. I still want just the Teen Titans. I don't really need the, like, this is how this Robin is different from this Robin, and this is we how this boy is not like this boy, but yeah, they're the same voice actors, and here it is. And it's like, yeah, we all know. We've watched both the shows. We know how they're different. Yeah. yeah. I think that there is probably something... It feels almost like Warner Brothers or Warner Brothers Television, Warner Brothers, whichever one controls the 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 green lighting for these shows. Uh, it feels like th- there's a lot of teasing going on. Like, we'll give them the post-tease at the end of Teen Titans Go to the Movies. We'll give them this, and then maybe they're just kind of keep throwing these little nuggets to see how people help react and maybe get the show back. I'll tell you what my issue with it is, is that... Um, I like I like Teen Titans Go fine, but it is a very certain type of writing style, and sometimes it gets tired, and sometimes their jokes are really bad and stupid, and they not only stick to their guns, but um, they don't take criticism well mm-hmm. at all. Um, they like to make fun of the people who don't like their show. Yeah. And I don't appreciate that. They have used the original Teen Titans in reference a few times, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so nice. Uh, and sometimes it's a trick on the audience like hey you like this thing right well f you it's not that thing yeah don't appreciate that those are the people who are handling this and i don't want them to do teen titans if they were to bring that show back and i think that's the whole thing is they don't want teen titans to be under anyone else's control right now for the for television right and that's the whole thing but i don't want them doing the teen Titans show so kind of in a catch-22 on I would that. hope that, much like Young Justice, if they ever brought back Teen Titans, they would bring it back with the original creative But team. I don't even know if those guys are busy or what they're doing right now, so yeah. that's the whole thing, is that would those would those guys be able to come back? Would they come back? And would the current creative team, Teen Titans Go, even be willing to share their voice cast and everything to do it? Because I bet you anything, because that show is making profit, they get a say-so in what happens with Teen Titans right now because they're the guys making that call. And they've already made it clear that they want to keep doing the show as long as it's making them money, essentially. Yeah, true. Um, well, we'll have just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. This is the first time that they're going to be handling the Teen Titans original characters themselves. I'm not super well, looking I'll be forward honest, to I watched it. That, I watched that trailer, and I and it just felt weird. It just felt off. Like those characters. It feels. It feels like the gimmick is. Look at the different personalities. Here they are. But more than that, it felt a little malicious towards the original Teen Titans. Yes, and that's entirely the spirit that in many ways they've shown over time. I felt that too. Yeah. Because I saw the trailer and I, because well, obviously my vote, my camp is in the original Teen Titans camp, but it still feels like they're really showcasing the Teen Titans go than the original Teen Titans because the pull here is the OG Teen Titans. 
Yeah. And yet they're... I'm There's also the Judas contract Teen Titans in this movie too. Really? The yeah. further it's like a Teen Titans of the multiverse crossover. So it's not just the Teen Titans oh. versus the Teen Titans go. There's more Teen Titans teams. Okay. The further that we get away from letting Teen Titans that old series and Teen Titans go be separate entities, the worse I think it is. Yeah. I prefer that show be respected as its own thing because it's not the same. And Teen Titans Go is fine in its own right and for what it does, but I don't like that we keep pandering to the original audience without giving the original audience what they actually want which is just those characters that story and they're not doing it they're right. just doing all these things to kind of keep it in conversation right and i don't appreciate it it's a good point um all right so let's move on to our next trailer uh charlie's angels heck yeah wow i, I wish i would have saw this on a bigger screen because unfortunately i had to watch it on a phone like Sorry. we watched it on no it's not, it's not your fault it's where we are why is uh, your phone bigger why, Why don't, don't you bring have my an iPad? iPhone XX. I ruined the film industry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but like, I just wanted to see like more details because like this movie just looks like a lot of fun. It does. Like yeah. we were just talking about like we need more like like female led just fun action movies. Like we were just talking about. That. We're I'm getting like, one. We're, this is exactly what we asked but for. It, it, here's the thing. I'm I did a complete 180 because when I first heard that they're making a new Charlie's Angels movie, my response was, Ugh. Ugh. I, I, I mean, couldn't be. Look, the thing about Charlie's Angels, Charlie's Angels is probably this beloved. Yeah. Nothing they do those McG films that this movie can't be any worse than anything else from that franchise. Yeah. Like, that's just... And, like, everyone involved in this, like, is is quality so far. I mean, part, like, part of me, the reason why I go, uh, is because it's like, oh, great, another f- famous property from the 80s that's going to get another reboot. And yeah. we had um, a revival, a two-film revival in the, th- in the 2000s. So it's like... Okay. And then a failed TV show, too. And a failed TV, TV show. Two? So, great. This mm-hmm. is a series that we tried it in the current generation. Didn't work. Yeah. Seeing this trailer, I'm like, no, this, I'm, I'm go, I'm for this. Yeah, Elizabeth this is, Banks is directing it, which is cool. I, yeah, she, she's directing it. Uh, I'm really into Chris Stewart in this film. Yeah, dude. As a person who has been defending her ever since the Twilight movie, saying, look, oh, yeah. I understand, but she's a good actress. Yes, mm-hmm. she is. Uh, I'm you really actually happy. turned me around on Kristen Stewart a long time ago. Yes, I work very hard to do that because <laughs> I, I just like Robert Pattinson. I'm like, you know, Casey these actors are it. not locked into those characters from Twilight. I understand yeah, that's 100%. like the biggest sensational thing that they did, but they are more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she looked really good in this. I'm yeah. really excited. I'm to see very her in this. happy. For Naomi her. Scott's Naomi in it. Scott. I love. Is, I, I love that she's oh, blowing up. I love Naomi Scott. Yeah. Like when the second I saw her in the trailer, I'm like, okay, I'm into it. Even Kristen Stewart, I'm like, is that Kristen Stewart? Yeah. Hell yeah, it this is. This looks. This looks good. This looks seriously. Charlie's Angels looks really good. I'm like, looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Because I remember watching uh, Patrick the, Stewart's in this as one of the Bosleys. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's a Bosley. He's the one who first walks in, right? Jimon Hansu. Uh, he's yep, a Bosley. He's yeah. in here. He's oh my god, Bosley. they're all Bosleys. And so yes, funny. they're all Bosleys. That's so funny. And Ella yeah. Ella Belinska is the other angel, which yeah. is great. Yeah, I don't recognize her. I don't, I don't recognize think. her either. Uh, I gotta like pull it. Yeah, deep oh, Nat Faxon is in this. Oh man, who? Uh, Nat, you'll know his face if you see it. Nat Faxon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's got one of those faces. Yeah, isn't, it looks really good. Looks yeah. a lot of fun. I, I will say, uh, very down. Elizabeth Thanks directed uh, Pitch Perfect too. She did. I don't think that movie's super great. Uh, so I'm hoping. Uh, she, her, she's a, she could be a good director for this. Because <laughs> like it, it, it's this is a big action movie. Yeah. And like it, yeah. It, that worries me a teeny bit. But mm-hmm. like the character stuff, I know she's gonna get fine. Seeing so. the character interactions just from the trailer alone has me sold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like Pitch Perfect, like Pitch Perfect, is a good movie. Pitch Perfect One's a good. Right, movie. but that's the thing. It doesn't set up sequels. It, that is not a film that deserved a franchise. Yeah, especially three, which was an action movie. So I wonder if Elizabeth Banks wasn't attached to that one in the creative yeah. aspect. So yeah, I yeah. wonder if possibly Pitch Perfect 2 
you know, maybe there's just not, there wasn't anything to do with that movie. Yeah. Perhaps that could have been. It was just stale creatively. Yeah. Perhaps this could be really engaging creatively. This is a fresh idea. It's not a, I mean, it is It is a franchise, but it, you're not making a direct sequel to something yeah. that didn't need a sequel. This is yeah. like a fresh, uh, fresh start. Yeah. I'm, I'm really very, very uh, happy that this seems to have struck the proper balance of action and, and comedy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really looking forward to it now. This is super exciting. Yeah, I'm really interested. Um, all right, shall we move on to our main topic? Breaking news. Oh. Before we get into our main topic. Oh, we had surprising. To come, we had to come back in. Shock and awe. Because this just happened. Uh, just now. As we were recording. This we were recording. moment. Yeah. A Sandman TV series is in the works at Netflix. Gasp. It is Warner Brothers' most expensive television show ever made. Oh, yep. That is, and HBO passed on it. Uh, really? Yeah. So many people passed on it before <laughs> yeah. it went to Netflix. Yeah. And Netflix already being in massive debt said, why not? Why not? Um, yeah, that's insane that this happened uh, That this happened so quickly. Uh, we've been hearing about they wanted to do something with Sandman for a very long time. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was attached for a decade. <laughs> yeah, for, to do a movie. Yeah. Neil Gaiman and David Goy will be, will be developing the series together uh, with um, Alan Heinberg uh, as the showrunner. That's mm-hmm. great. That's and great. Alan Heinberg is the, the writer of the Wonder Woman movie. Yes. Yep. So and did uh, Grey's Anatomy, which is a long-running, like celebrated television show. Yeah. It's not for mm-hmm. me, but it's it's long-running and good. Yeah. So that's that's really all we have right now. There's no comments from anyone. Yeah, it just happened. This is just happening. It's 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 really cool though, because this is such a surreal, really weird. Like it's in the DC universe, but it follows like the dreaming and the endless, and like it, yes. like like these concepts of death and mortality and like co- and cult, crazy cult stuff. And I'm like, man, like this is gonna be a dopey dope ass show it's gonna be crazy yeah it's gonna be really great i can't wait to watch an awesome first season and then it get canceled <laughs> netflix is guaranteed a, thir- a three season Dude, netflix arc. gives shitty things like 10 seasons it's like man if the show's half the half quality it's canceled so many things lately too yeah they have but i think and I then think there's swamp thing netflix That's yeah, yeah netflix if, if Barring uh, any tax problems, Swamp Thing would have been on air. Would, would have probably been renewed for a second season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this series, look, you know, hopefully it runs smoothly and hopefully it is good. But I, I believe that Netflix will probably give it. They give most things three seasons. Their most expensive show. I'm sure Warner Brothers won't uh, at all pull some BS. I mean, like <laughs> yeah, I right? want to be optimistic, barring but I'm also yeah. like, how many canceled shows have we talked about lately that were really quality and then? It's a good point. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was was Swamp Thing the most expensive show up to this point? I don't think so. Not probably might, not, but it was it was high. It was season one Game of Thrones. It was the most okay. it was the most expensive of the DC Universe shows. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. the streaming service, it was. Yeah. <laughs> way I, I too meant expensive. DC because I know Warner Brothers as a whole. I mean, Game of Thrones. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the most expensive. It's TV definitely show. more expensive than they wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> of every DC Universe live, uh, every DC comic live action adaptation. Yes. Okay. Oh, Swamp all the CW shows the too. Like this is way above. Swamp that. Thing was yeah. the most expensive. Oh, yeah. for sure. Okay. All right, now let's get into our main topic. Now it's time. All right, then for our main topic, uh, this is something I've been championing for a while. I've, I'm a big fan of this franchise, surprisingly uh, to myself. I don't know if it's as surprising to you guys, but I, uh, uh, we are talking about the Conjuring universe. This All is of them. The entire franchise, except for the Curse of La Llorona, uh-huh. which is... By choice. It is dumb that that is included. But they mention the Conjuring no, they mentioned Annabelle, the first Annabelle. Yeah, because they have the same priest from Annabelle. Yes, mm-hmm. in that film. Shared You're the only universe. one who saw it. That's another reason we're not talking about it. Is yeah. like Ben Ryan and I did not take the opportunity to go see this. No. Also, we couldn't if we wanted to. Yeah, it's no. not on DVD. 
No, I mean like uh, when it was in theaters. Oh, when it was in theaters, yeah, yeah. Because it was just recently. No, yeah. yeah. The the connections to the Conjuring franchise are so slim. You cut out ten seconds, and it's not a Conjuring. The only reason I kind of wish I had is because that director is now directing Conjuring Three. So I kind of wish I had seen it. Yeah. Just to have an an indication of that. That's big. Um. So we're we're just not going to touch on that one. Um. But you know whatever. Yeah. We've seen um, the other six. Sayonara. Yes, yeah, so we've seen the other six. So I figure we'll start in uh, release order. Sounds good. Which would put us with The Conjuring. Yep. The one that started the whole thing. So what do you guys think about The Conjuring? Ben, uh, you've seen them all recently for the first time. Yeah. And uh, that's some uh, that's some spooky shit. That's, yeah. That's I like The Conjuring a lot. I saw The Conjuring. Conjuring is actually the only one of these movies that I saw opening night in theaters. Yeah. Because uh, it came out long enough ago. Like, what, six years ago? 2013? About, yeah. yeah uh, I saw it with some friends, and I was like, oh, man, this is a good classic horror movie. That, like, think, felt really old school yeah. the way the horror movies that I really like, like slow burns, uh-huh. like jump scares, because it's got to be a, a jump scare but not, movie. But not reliant But not on reliant. Jump scares. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which some of the other movies in this franchise do rely on, which mm-hmm. is a shame. Yeah. I think, especially going through this, because the whole last week, I've been watching these films. And even when I was in, when we went and saw it last year, and I was very uncomfortable for it, I ha- I think I know what my defense mechanism is against these type of horror movies, mm. is that I put it in a way. Uh, this is gonna sound really weird, so forgive me. Won't be the first time. Yeah. What? I forgive you. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> no. I put these films as I look at them as they're all dungeons and Final Fantasy games, mm-hmm. as in the mo- like because I told you like. There's the scene in The Conjuring 2 with the nun where Valga's coming out of the painting. That is that reminds me of a boss. We'll get there. But yeah, I know, that's but incredible. That, but that scene reminds me of a boss fight in Final Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. And especially in The Nun, the whole Abbey, that's a freaking dungeon. Final Fantasy talk this this week. Yeah. yeah. I, hey, I, that's what So for me it's like I just just grab a sword. But just, you think but, but that's focus like my, on the that's Conjuring. My, yeah, but that's my defense mechanism, especially the Conjuring, especially with the witch. Mm-hmm. Cuz obviously in fi- in fantasy games you fight a bunch of witches like obviously the Witcher. So we're and introduced to probably the one of the two most interesting antagonists in horror films. I was, was going to say sorry real quick yeah. just about the Conjuring also. I think I'm just like Ryan that uh, Conjuring and Conjuring 2 I think are the only ones I went and saw opening night. Yeah. Cuz I was I was just really invested at that point. Um, I saw Annabelle Creation a little after because I had no faith in Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And then I heard good things about Creation. So Matt, our friend of the podcast, Matt, gave it a shot with me. And the real happy with that one. The only two I saw in theaters were, well, before I saw The Nun, uh, was The Conjuring and Annabelle. And because of who I saw them with, I didn't go see any of the others in theaters until The Nun came out and I was able to marathon them again and watch them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this franchise. I think it's really solid. Uh, the Warrens are great characters. They are fun I, characters. I really like Patrick Wilson and Vera Vimiga in The Conjuring. I really like how, I, I, especially the setting for the first Conjuring film. I love that ho- the creepy house in the tree. Like it's just a family moving into a branch, brand, uh, to well their new house. Like when they find the cellar. And oh, why, why was it boarded up? Who knows? Yeah, uh, one of the things I want to say, like it's scary. I mean, yeah, there's jump scares, but scary because you see one of the girls is staring at the uh, what, especially with James Wan. I noticed in a lot of the Conjuring films is that the one the thing you're supposed to be looking at is in complete pitch black. Everything else is lit except for the area that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a thing over there, and then every time a character goes into the darkness and they come out, like there's nothing here. It's, you're just like. This is a good What's thing. What's going on? This is really good that we're a sound, we're an audio podcast because I'm going to make an audio noise. But when we're um, when the, they're when the mom thinks she's playing hide and seek with her kid, clap, and she goes into the cellar like, mm-hmm. "Is there anyone down here?" And you just see from behind her the hands yeah. come out. 
Yeah. He was like, oh, shit. That, 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 that's the spookiest moment. That part got me. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, I remember in The Conjuring, one of the iconic pieces of imagery that worked for me was the sheet of laundry yeah. that flies up onto the that felt very hammer horror to me mm. which yeah. is one of the reasons oh, yeah. i really How, liked when it, it flies from the when it flies from the, the uh clothesline. The clothesline from the clothesline the window it, no 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 because it flies from the clothesline onto a, a somebody figure that's not for there. a moment oh, yeah. and no. then up to mm-hmm. and away. then when you see it launch in the window when it flies away from the window you see her in the window you see the witch in the window I don't remember that. I don't part. think so. No, I don't think that's true. Pretty no. sure. We just watched no. them. No, because then yes, I remember specifically because this uh, this is really this is a really good terrifying moment for me. How it goes from the clothesline to the figure, then flies up, uh, and then it's on the window. And when she looks up at the window, it flies away, and you see the the witch in the window, and she turns and walks to the house. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good moment. I'll take your word for it. I don't remember that. No, but I do remember calling that scene because when we because I watched it with Ryan and, and Sparks. And I was like, "Hey, is this the scene where the where the sheets gonna fly and we're gonna see a body or something?" And, and then like, I, we were like, yeah. "No, no." And, and then, then it happens. Yeah. I'm like, "I knew it! I knew it!" Yeah, you, you have a better memory for someone who hasn't seen it. That's the great. Trailer. It was a trailer shot. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Because yeah. well, I remember seeing the Conjuring trailers, and back then I hated horror films. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna go see that. Screw that." Yeah. I also like the side characters. I always forget that there are side characters in these film in the Conjuring films. Like oh, yeah. work with the Warrens. Oh man, I love I love the side characters in the original Conjuring. I forgot all about them, but the the cop. And the guy who sets up all the equipment. Oh, yeah. 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 Love both They're those guys. They're fun characters. Yeah. They um, and so, so The Conjuring, the first one is, you know, the start of this franchise. James Wan directed it. Um, uh-huh. We'll talk about it as we get further on, but there is a clear quality drop when James Wan is not directing these movies. James Wan is such a good director, and he uses cameras, and he uses lighting, and he, and he uses even actors better than all of these other movies. So, like, you know, they're all good in their own parts, but, like, the t- two Conjuring movies are the true standouts. Yeah. And I'm like, because we watched them all just back to back, so, like, wow, Conjuring! Annabelle. <laughs> Conjuring 2! Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, James yeah, yeah. Wan is such a control and such, like, he knows exactly what makes these movies good, and I just wish he directed all of them. I, I want to say the, the hard hard hit for me especially in the two conjuring films is that i fear for the family yeah the family that the warrens are trying to help i i care about them i want them to survive i don't know what it was and you're happy that they do yeah yeah i don't know what it was in annabelle kind of jumping ahead to annabelle for a second I mean, Annabelle, I thought, I, I thought Annabelle was fine. The characters are dull. That's, are, that's yeah, the exactly. Don't care about that's, the like the one that's part my problem with Annabelle. The first Annabelle, I've, like, I rewatched it because I, I needed to figure out, like, oh, wait, there are characters in this movie. The first Annabelle, Not the really. characters are so boring. You yeah. forget yeah. about them. Like the, well, only we'll time, there. the only time I got really scared for someone in Annabelle was when uh, Annabelle Higgins shows up and she stabs the, the mom. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about Annabelle when we get to yeah. Annabelle. But in the in the Conjuring one, what the Conjuring one establishes is that I think the franchise overall mostly has going for it is two two factors. Uh, one is um, not only does it make you invested in the characters. Again, I'm saying mostly, just broad mm-hmm. general statement. It try it tries to make you care about the characters that you're following and usually succeeds. And uh, it casts really well. With its young actors, yes, its young actors are incredible, and that's a big difference because there's a lot of horror movies that whiff on that. Oh yeah, and not only that, but like the Conjuring one has five kids. Yeah, yeah there's and a and lot. And the of kids Conjuring in two it. has four, and they're all good. They're all good. And the other thing about it is that um, it very, very effectively uh, does the setup of what's happening without doing so much slow burn for you to get there and it never goes for or when it does go for the idea of like the parents don't believe 
that it's happening to the yeah. kids or whatever, it almost immediately makes the parents see something too. Uh-huh. And I really appreciate that because in a lot of these kind of possession films and everything, it takes a long time. Yeah, yes. you never see, the parents never see and they always think that the kid was crazy the whole time. Yeah. Specifically, which, uh, God, yeah. Well, which in The Conjuring 1 and Country 2, they see shit happening. They yes. will, they'll, they'll, they'll do the trope of well, parents don't... I want, I want to, I want to, the Conjuring 2 has a really interesting bit, just to touch on it real quick, mm-hmm. to bounce off what you were saying, uh, is that the Warrens aren't even sure if they believe what's happening. Exactly. Even, I think it was in the first Conjuring film where the Warrens are at a house and they sh- and they tell the family there. Oh, like, the leaky pipes? Yeah, oh, it's just pipes. a leaky pipe. It's yeah. like, hey, yes. there's normally yeah. always a rational explanation for something. Uh-huh. And then they go to the other house and they're talking about like, wait, does, is the knocking always in threes? Does yeah. it always stop at dawn? Uh-huh. Does, it's like a checklist. And then they're like, okay, something is here, but we're just, but we just need just to double check. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I like how um, the Warrens are like, we want to believe you, but also we've been, fo- we, there's normally, some people ra- do hoaxes. Yeah. And they some, hoax and sometimes us, so. it's, it's not what you think yeah. it is. Exactly. Yeah. One, one of the things I found was interesting looking into the past of the Conjuring films of how it started was that it was initially James Wan was going to direct a remake of the Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. which is a Warren case. Mm-hmm. So famously, yes. it is the, the it, most famous, the most famous Warren case because there's been a dozen half films mm-hmm. about this, about this uh, case. And he, through the development of the film, he was like, well, this has been done to death. But nobody has told the story of the Warrens. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just do a story about them? And that's where that came from. So and I think that was genius. That was the 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 best idea he had. The the Conjuring two does this as well. Um, but with the Conjuring one, especially, what I think made this kick off so well is that it does uh, two other things that I think are, are exceptional. One is that um, you're following the family and the Warrens at the same time. Yeah. Most other possession films, because the Warrens are important characters, but like most other possession films have you focus on the family and then like the person who comes to help shows up halfway through. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have a backstory on them, so you're not very connected to that character. You're like they're, they're the saving grace kind of person. But, they're, but, but in this, you're following what's happening with the Warrens at the same time. So you're following these two simultaneous narr- narratives yeah. and they work really, really well. The other thing that I think they do do really well specifically conjuring and conjuring 2 is it feels like you're just stepping into the lives of these people it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like drama is set up in the family's lives for drama's sake they feel like real people who you've just stepped into a moment we just turned the camera on like yeah. a great example is in conjuring one there's the oldest daughter who clearly uh-huh. wasn't happy with the move and she makes a comment about it but it's not a main point of the story no. it's not a driving narrative that like keeps them apart they don't or, make a big focus on issue. it they're just like it's oh just, she's having problems it's just a fact of her but it's not her defining trait as a character like mm-hmm. her scoffing and everything about living in this new place yeah. it feels like these are real people and you just walked into their home for a moment and these things are happening and what I think is also interesting is that when we start both the conjuring and the conjuring one too uh, is that we're at the end of one of the Warrens' case. So we get, in the first one, the end of the Annabelle case. Like, mm-hmm. when they yeah. get Annabelle. Like, that's where the movie starts. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're just like, okay, this was Annabelle. And then that sets that up. And then in the second one, it's the Amityville Horror. And that's mm-hmm. where that goes. And there's a tangential connection that shows up later. But it's not focused uh, we'll on... we'll talk about We're not that. supposed to be... We're not supposed to see them as... Uh, as a as a part of the as an essential part of the narrative, I think sure. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, especially when we see in the Conjuring one to keep it just focused, when the witch uses Annabelle to scare Judy. I really like that. Is <sighs> such a great sequence. The witch lets Annabelle out to scare Judy, so that Judy will convince the Warrens to leave the case alone. Yes, 
because the witch doesn't want the doesn't want to kill the Warrens. She doesn't want the Warrens there. Yeah. Right. I think that's really cool. To right. Stay out of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, well, because I really the, like that. the witch's uh, uh, thing is making parents kill their kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like the way that uh, specifically about conjuring. Sorry, uh, speaking specifically about conjuring is uh, the the way that they piece together what the witch did, the spirits in the house, what the different relationships are. Yes. Because there's about like say, five, four or five. I think there's five. There's a quite. There was a there's, f- a, there's a. There's the there's the mom, the boy, the uh, maid, the the maid, yeah. and the witch. Like the, is that the, it? The oh, witch, that might be it. Yeah. The witch was the one who started everything. Yes, and the then, witch is the one who started everything. Yeah. And there's the maid, and then there's yeah. the the woman who was forced to kill her boy. Yeah. And the boy. Oh man, I when the, the boy is following the, the 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 little girl and hiding her, is yeah, such yeah. a cool thing. And and I I we were talking about Annabelle comes home later, but uh, the, the good good ghosts, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the boy spirits. the boy who tells the little girl where where to hide. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, technically good ghost trapped yeah. there because of what the witch did uh, but yeah, trying to lead them to things that will help them with the witch when we get to further that's something i really like in the nun is the good ghost it's yeah. something that i like in the franchise just as a whole is that there are good benevolent spirits yeah that are trying to help that's the, the i mean luckily that's, that's later down the line because i want to get into the the nun too but oh uh, the nun too is not out yet no no i <laughs> well done <laughs> thank you clap clap uh, <laughs> no i want to say conjuring because one of the things about these monster movies is that I mean is like the build up to what the monster or the creature looks like. I really like how in, in the Conjuring, the Conjuring universe, especially like going to Annabelle. Yeah, not the greatest movie, but when we finally see the demon pop up every once in a while, it's like quick picks. It's not you're not centered on it the whole time. It's kind of like I want to say the aliens and signs. You never no, it's a, get it's a one full of the things, picture. It's one of the, of the things that that the Conjuring. The Conjuring films one and two do very well. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we we yes. do eventually see the witch. Like when the mom is about to kill but never her daughters. In full. Yeah, exactly. Never in full. You see her face, the blood red eyes, the like the Sith looking eyes, and she's just like going in a. It's not the, the super original, frizzy hair. Yeah, it's not the, the original actress. It's the witch when she killed herself. Yeah, and she's about to stab the daughters, and it's like that is scary. That is terrifying. Yeah, Conjuring one has and it works truly terrific, terrific stuff. It's in it. yeah. it's truly impressive because we we've all seen enough horror movies um, to to know when like this isn't done well. It, it, going again, just going back to that family dynamic, how you feel like you stepped into their lives. It's truly impressive how how like I can't I can't tell you anything necessarily super definable about any of the kids in Conjuring one, but I cared about all of them. Yeah, yeah. like they they felt like people who I didn't know that well, but I cared about them because I knew them. I knew them well enough as people. Yeah. in their own way, but there's not like a defining character of that, yeah. and so they don't feel like they're written. To Nobody characters. did anything like out of character. Like it was all realistic. Like exactly. it's just these are regular people. None when of them the should have crazy out. stuff about them. They're exactly. just regular folk. When the Conjuring came out, it was refreshing to see something. First off, I'm a sucker for period genre pieces, so it was yeah. in the Thanks. '70s. So, like, mm-hmm. totally into that. But also, the characters were were weren't dumb. Yeah. Exactly. They were when the Warren said, "Don't do this." They didn't do that. It yeah. was never done. Be- nothing happened because they were stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and like, and the parents, again, like, I really appreciate that the parents. Once things are happening, they take it seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All adults in these situations, they take it seriously pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, specifically, Conjuring films and, and Annabelle creation. Uh, the scene uh, where where the dresser just like gets shoved into the door. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Conjuring Two. Oh, was that Conjuring Two? That's Conjuring uh, Two. Yeah. 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 But, but still, things a, like that happen. But yeah. that's yes. the scene where the mom is yelling at her kids. Yeah. When she's like, right. "Hey," and then she sees the dresser move itself. Exactly. That's like right. that does speak to that point. So I'll, I'll one thing about here, even though it's Conjuring yeah. Two, that's one hundred percent that moment because she's saying, "Oh, you guys are messing around, scaring each other with this Ouija board." Wham! Well, and she's like, "Okay, it's real." One thing that I really like about again. 
the two conjuring movies uh like like uh, you know i'm not a religious person you know i'm not spiritual but like in oh, the, the, the thing the thing uh, yeah the thing uh that the the warrens are the way they're written they're not written to be mean to people who aren't spiritual yeah they're like hey listen if you don't believe it that's cool just like you know we have our ideas like uh, like they see the thing in a paper like oh they're skeptics like hmm, guess they don't believe us they're not like mean about it they're not like no. we are right and we they'll are get only upset right. if they're confronted because of all the things they've seen but yes. well, never... someone's calling them a liar yeah. yes yeah. they'll never but like they're not like they're not mean about it they're no. they're like hey man like everyone believes what they want like it, yeah they're not going around being like you don't believe in god so this is happening yeah. you're like, gonna you're gonna you're gonna die if you don't like, get our help like conjuring one they go they get the the concrete evidence like the girl was flying through the room with not being pulled by anything mm-hmm. so they go to the church and even the, the the father who's like their liaison is like yeah but they're not baptized and they're like we don't care look what's happening to this poor family that doesn't yeah, deserve we, we, it. We might yeah. have to change it. And, and, even the, and, even and the Warren is, and, is the only one who can, yeah. is one of the very few people not a priest who can perform an exorcism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yes. down the line after the exorcism was performed, they say the Vatican approved it. They're like, uh-huh. yeah, okay, yeah. save these people. And yeah. then they're just like, <laughs> we already did it. No, speaking Th- of, there's good natured people. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I like that. Uh, speaking to your point, Ryan, is that uh, I like that the Warrens also never try to push the religion onto yeah. onto them like the the family in the first one uh, aren't really into it but they don't like force anything onto them right. other than what they try to do to save them do yeah. they does uh, he, does, in, does in the conjuring Warren, two that family is a little more christian does ed warren give somebody a cross and like doesn't he say like you don't have to believe in it or that's number he gives that too uh, he gives the uh, the girl the cross in two saying uh, hey this has helped me in bad times now it's gonna yeah, help yeah. you uh-huh. again like yeah like i'm mixing movies but like it's the same idea yeah right yeah, yeah. The, the conjuring film it's it's perfectly very easy to understand why it was such a sensational hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Wan was masterful behind the camera with it. The writing is exceptional. The characters are very easy to connect to on all levels, both as the Warrens, you care about them a lot, but you're able to care about the family even if you don't need to spend a bunch of time with each individual one. You care about them and what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So th- there was such a success that a spinoff film was quickly put into development. Very, a very obvious desire for a spinoff film and and i'll be honest watching all of them again um annabelle's become overdone for me yeah uh not so much in her own films but in the conjuring films where i feel like uh the fact that we've seen the opening of the conjuring one three different times right yeah Yeah. is kind of bananas yeah and irks me a little but annabelle is so important but uh but they're very proud of their original creation so the first the first uh spinoff was annabelle Uh Mm uh-huh and I have to say, and this goes through the re- all three other Amba films, I hate that effing doll. Uh, I, do, I hate it. I do want to make a note because I, I think it's going to be interesting in our discussion. Ryan and I are both people who saw Annabelle creation first. Oh. And Ben saw Annabelle first and yeah. then Annabelle creation because I so told like him I to did. watch them in release order. Yeah. But Ryan and I ha- never had an interest in seeing Annabelle and only watched it because of this. So we saw it this week. Yeah. Uh, we never had an interest in it because it, it sounded like it wasn't very good in creation was awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's where we're coming from. So it'll be interesting to me because uh, as a person who saw creation first, creation improves things that when I think about Annabelle as a solo film, I find lackluster. Yeah. So Annabelle was the first Conjuring film, uh, a Conjuring spinoff film, yes. and it was um, critically very poorly received. Still I mean, made a shit ton of money. I think deservedly. Well, The Nun is actually the most successful of the Conjuring films. Fun fact. Wow. Yeah. It makes a lot so of sense weird. because the imagery of her is a very appealing. Yeah. That mm-hmm. would get you to go to theaters. So Annabelle uh, is 
fine. I think there's some good scares in it, but there, but the characters are really, really lacking. They're super dull. My biggest problem with Annabelle is that there's a scene. Fanny and I were watching this together. Also, and who the hell would ever like look at the doll? Oh, you found the one I wanted. Screw you. Put that away. No, that doll magically <laughs> looks like it's a it's an evil piece of shit and needs to die. Yeah. But the that thing doll about changes appearances yeah. so much. Yeah. Holy crap. But the thing about Annabelle was that whereas in the con- the first Conjury film, I cared about the characters. I may have not don't remember all their names, but I care what happens to that family. The only time I cared about the family in this one was when the mom got stabbed when she was pregnant. I was like, oh no, don't kill the kid. That's horrible. And there's a scene where Fan and I weren't paying attention. It was, I think it was when uh, the actress who played Mariah Stokes in... Uh, Mariah Stokes. Alfrey Woodward. Yeah, yeah, thank you. She was telling about how she almost killed herself because yes. of her daughter. Mm-hmm. That scene, it I must have been a good scene, but we it just... was a good scene. We didn't So yeah, see there's, it. there's another good scene I really like. You, you, you go first. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, go so ahead there's another scene I really like um, in Annabelle is when the priest had taken Annabelle uh-huh. and then gets in a car accident and now then shows up. No, and then one of the not a car accident. He goes. He gets to, to the church. steps of the church and he gets thrown back. You're right. Before he walks in. You're right. So so and then when he shows up <laughs> at the at the family's house and he's turned around, he's like, "Father, what are you doing?" And you yeah. just see see him and he's like. She needs a soul. I forgot the exact May uh-huh. God have mercy yeah. on your soul. Um, oh, may God have mercy on your soul. I think that's actually a truly ch- chilling uh, s- yes, scene. Yes, I that like was that a, moment too. It was that and the scene under the apartment buildings in Pasadena. 100%. That was the best scene of the whole oh, movie. Oh, you mean when the when, in the storage areas? Yes. yes. With the, with that, the cradle? that is the only thing that I find truly memorable from Annabelle is that entire sequence. For me, there's a, yeah. there's a, uh, a one-shot uh, at the beginning of the movie that tracks oh yeah the yeah house. the long shot that's actually really impressive yeah uh, that deals with ghosts coming in and out of frame just like in one long shot oh that one um, that's, yeah. that's one of the only things I when remember she, about when she it. goes in to make the call about the Higgins murder yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well a, the Higgins murder was kind of oh yeah I like your doll oh yeah that was freaky and then I kind of like the um, the I guess you call the poetry of like the blood going into the doll's eyeball how it's like oh that's like the true possession oh yeah okay. but then Annabelle t- and then creation kind of kills that for yeah. you but yeah. oh man what was it gonna st- it's I'm, so muddled yeah but that yeah, whole how, time, I, how I Annabelle say, got possessed is really muddled. I was gonna say yeah. real quick uh, I I think I know we said release order but I think we might as well do Annabelle and Annabelle creation together sure doesn't really yeah. mess with anything yeah. and, I, and there's a lot there yeah um Yes, I find the main characters of Annabelle dull. We were watching the movie for the first time, and Ryan's sitting there, and he's like, they're, they're having some conversation about her pregnancy, and he's like, this conversation is boring. <laughs> this yeah, is a boring is. conversation. Like, like when I know people are talking for like three minutes straight, I'm just like, pull up my phone. Uh-huh. Like, wait, this is a bad sign. I don't like looking at my phone in movies. Yeah. This is a bad sign if I'm not invested right now. Yeah. yeah. Super dull. And that's, that's true, and I think... Uh, so we find out, since we're talking about animal creation at the same time, the girl who... who breaks into their house is the girl who survives at the end of Annabelle. Yes. Uh, Annabelle creation. Well, yeah. one, of the, one of the friends. The one who yeah. gets, I want to say, yeah. possessed by the demon. No, I want to say, though, I want to say you talked about the demon a little bit and I want to touch on that demon is terrible. I hate the design of that demon who possesses Annabelle. I think when it's shown in, in small little... It's the same one from Annabelle Comes Home, right? Like Annabelle the demon Comes Home, the, Annabelle yeah. Creation, and Annabelle also have the same design. It's a really dull design, especially for it, a franchise that's that has a lot of really interestingly designed villains. They show too much of it, I think. That one doesn't work for me. Can I tell you, when it was in Creation, it sure. was good. Yeah. I think the to be sequence honest, works in Creation. It was in having like the seen Creation stuff, only, yeah. it wasn't ever in it long enough for me to care yeah but annabelle and annabelle comes home show it far too much yeah because yeah. they do that. in annabelle comes home we do see the demon a, a lot. lot however the end, yeah the scene that messed me up the most i want to say in all these films was a scene in annabelle creation 
where the 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 smallest girl she's playing hide and go seek and she hides scene in and she hides behind the sta- under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yes. She turns around and not only does she see Annabelle rocking, but it out of focus and obviously at the doll's the focal point. And I caught this. Fanny didn't, but you see the hands and the red eyes for some reason glowing red eyes in the in pitch black darkness shake me to my freaking core it's really good so it's, what one of the things long sequence in silence which is what works exa- so well yep that's so too. one of the things that really works for me in this franchise uh is the stuff that's out of you it's the stuff that's in and it does there's a lot of it in animal comes home uh which is why it's just kind of like jogged my memory, but there's a lot of it in the franchise in general. Just if it's in the background, blurred out, not a focus, mm-hmm. that terrifies me. Yeah. That's, yeah that's that sort of thing that you're just kind of like, there's something there, but you're not sure. Mm-hmm. What I think is so great about the sequence Ben's describing for an Annabelle creation is that it's you staring into the dark and knowing something staring back at you and you can't quite make it out. And yeah. I, I always remember that the first time I saw it, because again, hadn't seen Annabelle. What I pictured of the demon is something more jackal-esque. Okay. That's what I saw. So I mean, the moment that it actually finally appears, it's a little, little disappointing. Wait, wait, for me, because I saw like a good jump sticker that got me in Annabelle was the was the demon hand that comes out in the darkness and holds on to the, or it's like a quick look of its of its blood red eyes and it's mm-hmm. like its its evil smile. That kind of was like, oh shit, that that that's a demon. Um, Kill that thing once again. Final Fantasy mode. Get my sword. Like, go demon they, in full view. That demon looks like the children of the forest from Game of Thrones in a way. You know, you know what I mean? They're kind of yeah. like little oh, yeah, with yeah. the horns. Mm-hmm. But it's not a great look. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too far away from uh, Annabelle, Annabelle original. To yeah, well, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, one of the things that truly bothered me about it, and I I didn't think that long about it till I was talking to Megan about it because she'd also watched this with us this week. Uh, Alfred Woodard's character is just there to die. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I absolutely I didn't like hate it. it opposite of the things we've talked about, everything in Annabelle is characters I don't care it's about. It's sad because she elevates the movie just because she's so good. Yeah, uh-huh. they do nothing with her and kill her off. It's uh-huh. actually, it, you know what's because I know Annabelle creation takes place in the 1960s. I mean, in L.A. during that time, I want to say it was a little more tolerant. I was really scared. Annabelle that creation is 1955. No, I was talking. I'll talk about original Annabelle. Oh, sorry, you said creation. Sorry. Oh, I meant the original Annabelle because I was going to talk about Alfred Woodard's. Yeah, Alfred Woodard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because when she first shows up, I'm like, oh, hey, I know Star that. Star Trek's act- first contact, Alfred Woodard, yes. I was there like, hey, I know that actress. I, I love her in uh, Luke Cage. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is 1960s LA. Oh, please don't be a racist prick. Yeah. They're not, thank God. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The Conjuring films have never... Yeah, they've never been about that, which I'm I'm okay with. Yeah. And you're right. I was really bummed out because she believes in the mom. And she's like, hey, I'm going to help you out. I know I'm a complete stranger to you, but here, let me help you. And then she's like... Okay, I'm just gonna kill. I'm just gonna die. The, Peace out. The, she shows up for like one minute here, like five minutes there, yeah, and then it's she's like, dead. I'm decent like, wow. character. It's like, hey, decent. Like, hey, this is the reason why I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden, bye. Yeah, yeah the the husband is uh, supportive and believes her, but never enough to actually stay home when things are getting bad. Yeah. yeah. So many times, what I'm just hell? like, why aren't you guys staying together? What's going on, guys? Come yeah. On. Uh, yeah. It's uh, or like, what? why is the she baby a, in the? Does same she room not have her? any friends? Why doesn't she have somebody at the house yeah. with her? This is nuts. Oh, you Regardless know, so of the ghost stuff, if my wife was stabbed in the stomach while she was pregnant, I would never leave her side. Exactly. Are you kidding me? No, there's no way in hell. Give me a break. I don't care if I have a residency at the but hospital. We're in a different city, Ryan. <clears throat> it's okay. It's never yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, another one. I noticed the last shots were like when she can't be that far away though because uh, it's the same priest. 
Oh, uh, yeah, you're going, right. Oh, but God. <laughs> they drive from Pasadena to Santa. Well, back then traffic wasn't that bad, but that's semantics. Yeah, that's yeah. stupid. But when she, that's a shot that I hated because I saw a lot in Annabelle when she's on her sewing machine and you see her fingers getting dangerously close to Neil. It's like, oh, I know. I that know a lot of foreshadowing. So I know what's going to happen. And yeah. it happens. And she's like, ooh, ow, that stings a little bit. And then it's like, oh, are you freaking. And, and they do it again. Annabelle suffers from the things that the Conjuring films and, and creation don't suffer from, which is very predictable uh, yes. places yeah. to go. That's why the sequence that's downstairs is so good. Uh-huh. Because I didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I kept wondering every time the elevator doors opened what was going to happen. And, and, was and that was effective. Yeah. But, that but was. most things in Annabelle are very paint by numbers. Yes. Uh-huh. The, o- the other thing that doesn't work for me in Annabelle is the fact that I don't think, and I think Annabelle Creation and Annabelle Comes Home, both Conjuring films, like they're good about this. Annabelle moving takes away all, fa- all fear of that doll. The fact that that doll is possessed by a thing is when more did she move so in the, in annabelle there's a there's an extended sequence where she's laying there on the floor and then she gets up and then she stands up oh yeah yeah and then she's lifted into the air so uh, that bothered me until the demon the hold, demon is, is standing beso- yes, behind her. i think i think that's fine it's a good image but it's it's silly Wept until that point, and I don't. And I, it it takes away the fear of that. Here's moment. my counterpoint to it: Annabelle creation. You don't see the doll move, but you get the implication of it. Sure, is that when it's under the sheet in the rocking chair and it comes out? Yeah, you see the figure moving under the sheet, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which is implied to be the doll, but you don't see the doll. Yeah, and then the sheet comes down, and there's nothing there. Yeah, see that. No, I and I like that. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but like. Because the demon was moving and it's whatever. I get it. I do think that it's better when the doll doesn't move on its own. Yeah. So, like we said in the Conjuring films, like what the first Conjuring film, and we're going to go into it more when we talk about Conjuring 2, is that the family isn't dumb. They don't make dumb mistakes. If my wife said, if I had, there's, if like a murder happens in my house and there's like an object associated with that murder, I want it gone. And then my the fact wife, that they kept the doll. Yeah, the fact that she's like, no, she has a home. You're like, you know. Oh wait, no, you know what? You know away. what? You know what? You know what? Uh, to your point, it's less stupid than what you're saying, but it's still stupid because they don't pack the doll initially. Yeah, it shows up in a he box. He throws it in a trash can. Yeah. yeah, and then it comes out of a box, and it's implied that it like seduces her into into deciding yeah. to keep it. Still dumb. But I'm like, that's it's not. In a film that tends to be kind of heavy-handed, it's not heavy-handed enough, and it's like, oh, is that Get what happened that with her? Yeah. Why would you keep that? If yeah. I threw away a haunted doll and then it shows up in my box, sure, I wouldn't put it in my kid's after, bedroom. After, after I the, moved thirty miles away, <clears throat> I'm like, no, no, this needs to die. The fact that the husband still decides to not be concerned at that point yeah. enough to like do anything yeah. is baffling. Yeah, uh, uh-uh. that's like a big no. Nope. Oh, you know what's a good scare in Annabelle, actually. It's when when the doors are fli- are, fli- are are flipping and then the the little girls and the, and the thing. You know, I and then I know runs. which one you're talking about. Yeah, that little girl that's supposed to be Annabelle, but but if you take a creation to an effect, then it's supposed to be Janice, and it doesn't look like Janice, yeah. and that's weird. But um, yeah, it's it's when she runs from the thing and then shows up in the room and is an adult lady. I thought that uh, was yeah. a good effect of scare. I, so oh, that that is oh, a good scare. You're right. You know, I, yeah, yeah, that that's a decent scare. I remember that from the trailers. I'll fully yeah. See, I'll fully admit that it didn't work for me because I'd seen it. I that was the one thing I remembered from the Annabelle trailer. Yeah. So by yeah, the time I, I saw it in the movie, uh, I was like, cool. Uh, you know what's gonna happen? I didn't. So you know exactly. Cool. Like, no, yeah, and that's good. I'm yeah. cool. I'm glad that worked for you. For me, I'm like cool sequence. Uh, I got caught up in just the thing that they show. They show a picture of 
the young Higgins girl and that's who it's supposed to be and she connects that Mm -hmm. because she sees it in like a flashback moment to that moment but now we know because of creation that's supposed to be Janice and they do not look alike she does look like the ghost of Annabelle Mullins if that's who it was supposed to be but she's literally being shown a picture of the kid the Higgins had who at the time is still supposed to not be an adoptive daughter but their actual daughter yeah and this this starts to build into because we're going to talk about creation this starts to build into a problem I have with this franchise now as a whole which is a lot of like retconning to make it look more connective and and seamless and it's not thought out ahead and it feels ham-fisted when it happens sure and so we get to creation which creation i think is is number three honestly out of all these films i put creation number three i put it number two number three for me uh i think it's 100 percent quality i think it's it 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 does all the good things that the conjuring does it has unpredictable scares it doesn't go for the jumps easily it uses excellent terrifying sequences i care about all the characters better than none movie than the nud Huh? It has, a, it has a nun cameo, which I think is a better the nun movie than the nun. Oh yeah, the I, the the picture. Yeah, I, just, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I just didn't need it. But um, I I care about all the characters, both the Mullins who lost their daughter. I care about the uh, sister who's looking after the orphans. I like all of the orphan girls. Uh huh. Yes. Um, I really appreciate them. It's uh very effective in its pacing. Yes. And it does the exact same thing we were talking about with the Conjuring films earlier, which is like when it, it launches so hard into shit hitting the fans so early, I didn't expect it. I remember the first thing that got me the first time I saw it was when Annabelle's ghost is tapping the window and she turns and says, your soul. And she's all demonic looking. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't think we were going this to like ramp up to 60 this fast. Yeah. This is great. I and things start happening quickly. She gets yanked out of that chair. Yeah. By the dark and drop down the stairs. And I'm like, I don't know where this movie's going. This One is excellent. One of my favorite scares in the in the in Annabelle Creation is uh when uh when she's outside and the the nun lady goes goes away and she and then comes back and you just see her quickly grab the thing and push her into the barn. It's like, wait, what's going on? And you don't see the face. I yeah. think that's really yeah. effective you know what and terrifying. Also got me was at the near the end of the film when the scarecrow comes to life. Scarecrow's oh, yeah. heck yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, Scarecrow's yeah. Scarecrow's that, scarecrow. That, that whole sequence is a great example that I'm going to be bringing up in the other spinoff films of not using jump scares and using actual tension to create fear is mm-hmm. when um, Carol is trying to stop the lights from going out. Yeah. Yeah. In the shed after she's been chased by the scarecrow. And that's the one time where we really get a good look at the demon. And even then it's still in dark. Yeah. Uh-huh. When it comes down upside down like a spider. Yeah. Or, or, oh, or yeah. Another, another, sorry, the actual scare I really, I really liked in Annabelle is when she's in Annabelle's room or uh, Belle's room. I think they call her B. Belle. B. They call B. it B. B. They call it B. And we're, so we're not really cued into it. It's Annabelle. Uh, well, obviously we know because of the doll, but when she's looking at her journal, it's like uh, today, many to pages later. Today, today I, I came, came home, home. Uh-huh. and I was just yes. like, "Shit!" Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about creation entirely, that the opening with the mullins, just the setup, yeah. uh-huh. I really like. Yeah, uh, there's a weird thing they do about twelve years because. Their yeah. daughter dies 12 years later is when all this happens. Then it's another 12 years before the events of Annabelle. Yeah. Um, that's it's, it's whatever. Like There's no direct is. connotation of what that is, but... It's like a Jeepers Creepers it sort of thing where it's like X amount of years pass and then shit hits the fan again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like that setup story of just like, this is where the doll comes from. It's because he was a doll maker. Um, the original Annabelle doll is number one of 100, which I question, we'll talk about it in relation to Annabelle later, but if that is in fact the same doll, um, 
that appears in Annabelle sure. because I find that far too coincidental. Yeah. yeah. And if you told me it's just a different one of the 100, I find it more believable than if it's the exact same doll that was taken away. So does that mean that all 100 of those dolls are, are like... No, no, because, no, they, because I think, they say you can't possess an object. Because this is the thing I was telling you about. So at the end of creation, the priest takes the doll and he says the doll was conduit for evil, but the evil has left it. Now the doll is just a doll. Yes. Who wants it? None of the orphan girls want it, obviously. So the priest puts it in the trunk and it's gone. If you go by the logic that is a different Annabelle in Annabelle, then the possession does happen when Janice, who is now Annabelle Higgins, her blood goes into the eyeball of the doll, and then uh, it's possessed again, and, and it's a different she, doll, and that's fine. And then when, with she, me. when she was adopted, she had a uh, that doll, right? But if you tell me that it's that exact same number one doll, I'm like bullshit. That doll just wound up in the neighbor's house uh-huh. of Janice. Yeah. Are you kidding was me? I mean, to be fair, there like in other movies too that we'll talk about. Like, there's a lot of coincidence stuff. Was it just me? There is. Or that I, one's a stretch. I, I yeah, I'm with Sparks on this one. I actually buy that. I would buy that. It's uh, just another one of the dolls. Just yeah. That, if that, you that want to tell me it's one of the 100, cool. Yeah, yeah. That demon just really likes that doll. But also, also, I forgot what I don't know if it was Annabelle or Annabelle Creation, where the doll itself. Like when the demon kept coming back in in more and more frightening pace, the skin got grayer. I think that was well, that happened in Annabelle for sure. I want to say that happened in Annabelle. Definitely happened like, in Annabelle. It happened in Annabelle. Okay. It's, it was after the trash. Yeah, and because we all mentioned like, wow, that's, that's yeah, yeah, dirty. and, it, and uh-huh. it's like degrading from its possession. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, yeah, for me, oh, the I, I find it. I find it a more entertaining dramatic irony for the demon. If it's a different doll, and it's like, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, really, this doll again? Yeah. When when actually when like it's all like hitting the fan, and they're trying to run through the house and trying to escape, and then when she goes down the the dumbwaiter with the, uh, and sees the the mom of Annabelle Higgins, yes, uh, and Ooh. she's like lopped off at the waist, yes, crucified uh, to the wall. Yeah, that's messed up. Terrifying. Love well, it. Even um. Everything related to the setup of the mom is an excellent sequence. Yeah, it yeah. is. Cause I Especially like because you, you think she's evil. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I thought she was. And then we finally figure out that they were just trying to get their, to see the daughter back, and that's when the demon was like, "Ooh, I could, I could get these oh, guys." Oh, and they can never see the, they never see her do- their daughter, just hear her. Yeah. Exactly. So this is this is oh, an important yeah. distinction to me. We keep seeing the spirit of Annabelle, but it's because it, I had to have this like breakdown. Um, so Annabelle's spirit never actually came back to the house. No, it was yeah. a demon looking like Annabelle and it used it to get into the possession of the doll and still uses her appearance, but Annabelle never actually came back. Right. No. Um, they just call it Annabelle because it looked like Annabelle. It decided, to take, it decided to take Annabelle's name uh-huh. because later Janice says, I'm Annabelle Higgins. Exactly. Um, and when she kills her dad? When she kills her dad? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, uh-huh. So I, I had a train of thought, but it, it vanished. Um, I'm sorry. That's okay. Somebody else talk. I'll, I'll tell I'll you something, uh, Sparks. You were talking about how like how quickly a lot of these movies get to the shit hitting the fan. Yeah, it's because these movies are not two hours long. They are all under two hours. That's long. not uh-huh. true. Conjuring and Conjuring Two are over two hours. Are they really? They yeah, are. they are. Damn, because I just looked at like three of them. And, they're all like an Annabelle hour. Actually, they're three and a half hours. And, and oh, Annabelle Creation. <laughs> Annabelle Creation is very close to two. Damn, really? The others are shorter. Okay, I guess the only the three that I looked. No, at that's all. what's yeah. so. Imp- that's the other thing that's so impressive about Conjuring, Conjuring Two, and Annabelle Creation. They take their time, and you don't you don't feel like. Just don't feel it because no. they're good. They're yeah. not nope. overdone. Um, right, Annabelle Creation has another excellent scare. It has a lot of excellent scares. Let's be honest. Annabelle Creation's really good. And one of my favorites is when Anne is shooting the little gun into the dark. And the ball <laughs> the gets, back. Gun gets taken away from her. And she's just staring at the dark. And then she just hears the bam, 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 bam of the feet coming running yes. at her. Yeah. Feet running at you in darkness. Great scare. Oh, yeah. yeah. They and use now, it and then Annabelle comes home. And it always terrifies me whenever I hear that the feet running, the feet running in darkness. Oh, I hate that. 
Uh, one of the things that got me was when Car- well, the two old, the oldest ones, the teenagers, uh, Carol and Nancy. Yeah, they were under the sheet, just like yes, being teenagers. Yes, that's the other. And thing. then they hear the footsteps. They hear, and then finally the the ghoul comes and grabs on uh, the sheet, and they're like, oh. So, so the the cool thing is that the demon is so cheeky, it uh-huh. decides to use the story that they've told themselves to scare each other. Yeah, and be like, that's a good one. I'm gonna make that happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so it takes the bell sound and it makes that. Yeah. Image real, which well, isn't uh-huh. real about her. You know what was interesting is about like ramping up action is when in any other horror movie it, they would it would be like a slow burn. Like first scene, we'd hear the footsteps. Uh-huh. Second uh-huh. scene, but like the moment that happens and we see her face through the through the through the curtain, he's just like shit. We're here now. But yeah, her yeah. silhouette approaching from the other side in the light, and they're already freaked. Uh-huh. And it it and that the and, mom's and face Carol is so and Nancy terrifying. are yeah. on edge from there on. Yeah, it has shifted their characters yeah. for the rest of the film because of that. And they're like, we just, one of them is like, something happened. And the other's like, no, nah, we just freaked ourselves out denying it. And it's yeah. it's great. Their their characters are so and well developed. The girl yes. with the polio on her leg, what's her name? Janice. Again? Yeah, and even Janice, she's like, you you saw something. And they're like, no, 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 no. no. She the other to thing, toss Annabelle you, into the well. Because uh-huh. you know this is a prequel to Annabelle. And you know what that, that there's going to be the doll and everything. And, and however that comes about, it's going to, you expect things to go bad. Yeah. It is in every way a tragedy and it's such a hard tragedy to watch Janice go through. Yes. And, and and you know no help is coming to save her. You wanna know something? When Fanny and I were first watching this movie we watched it together. we watched them all together except for her comes home. At first we were like, how does this tie into Annabelle? We know this is a prequel. Sure. How does this tie in? Sure. And it wasn't until the last third of the movie where we're like, Oh, oh where everything was like kind of explained it how it all tied in and then when Janice got adopted and she said hi my name is Annabelle and then we see the scene of her killing her parents and it goes into the first the Anna, Annabelle the standalone film we're like that was a good way to tie it it's in that was a yeah. good way to like weave it all into a thing yes we were really happy with that with how it moves into Annabelle even though Annabelle's the uh-huh. far less does, superior it doesn't film. do anything to help Annabelle no it doesn't it just uh, says that you're screwed I, if I think about Annabelle without creation, I think Annabelle's very lame. A very lame story. I mean, I still I do. don't like the cult thing. Yeah. I don't like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the implication now that because she was already possessed by a demon, Annabelle started the cult. That's what I'm going to go for. To sacrifice a soul to a demon I like that, that was itself. Uh-huh. I like that implication a lot more than, yeah, she just, you know, she two years later she became part of a cult and she just uh, decided to do this and now she's a haunted spirit that's yeah. trying to sac- sacrifice a soul to this demon. I like this better. I like the implication that she got possessed uh-huh. by a demon and she uh, went into hiding and she got adopted and then she built herself up and then she built a cult. That's following. What, I like that idea. It makes it feel like there's actually an impact these demons can have when they're possessed and they get away. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The following has had a lot more talk in this in this episode than I ever thought it would. Yeah, I know, I, right? I mean, like, I was, when we were watching Annabelle, I was surprised with, I was like, okay, so it is, because I suspected it because of the end of Annabelle creation, and I had no context of what Annabelle was, and I'm like, okay, there's like a dude in white, and she's in white, I guess something's up. Yeah. And then they start talking about the Manson family uh, on the TV, and I'm like, cool, she's cult. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I much prefer the implication that she started it. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. That yeah. creation does add to it for me. Uh, it, Annabelle on its own, I think, is lame. But if I think about creation, even though like obvious retconning occurs, oh yeah, yeah. and like it's it's super heavy, but it's so nuts that like Annabelle is so eh, and then they made another film about that character later, and it's far superior, and it's written by the same dude. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, um, I <clears throat> definitely think creation. 
adds much more to Annabelle. But you're right, Annabelle is not that good of a movie. Uh, yeah. The sequence where Mr. Mullins tries to take on the demon by himself yeah. Yeah. is brutal oh. yeah. and sucks. And I and I love the way that he comes about it. Again, like these characters feeling smart, like he has a very natural way of realizing this is happening in the house. He suspects it up to that point. Yeah. But he has a very natural way of realizing it. Uh, because Anne says, I'm, I'm worried about these things. And she's explaining like, yeah, her room was open, this blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, the doll. Oh, and then he immediately goes to take care of the situation. The doll's like, I'm on top of like, you. Even the then, demon. Like even yeah. when the, do- when the, when the door opens up, you see all the papers <clears throat> on the wall. I immediately knew it was like, those are, that's Bible. That's and, the Bible. And fans like, where are those papers? I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it's the Bible. the Bible. And then they, they show how, um, I know it's not her name, but we call her Erwin the whole time when we were watching this. That's the same actress. Oh, Robin Wright. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Mm. And how, like, she was explaining, like, hey, this is, we saw, this is what happened. She tried to steal my soul, tried to save my yes. soul. So we locked yes. Annabelle away in a room. And when you see her eye, face revealed. Oh, so great. Awesome. So great. And so then good. five minutes later, labor, later, crucified up on the wall. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Just messed yeah. up. Uh, I never. Uh, and you feel bad. I get, yeah. I get, um, I always feel like dumbwaiter scenes can be misused very easily. Yes. I don't feel like the one in creation is. It's just used as a, a tactic for her to escape the Janice, mm-hmm. who is possessed at that point. And she goes down, and then it uses Annabelle's mother to get at her. And she goes oh. back up, and she gets grabbed by the sister. And I really like that. Yeah. I like that the sister, once she's aware of it, immediately tries to tackle it and take it on. Uh-huh. And it doesn't go so good, but mm-hmm. like she does. Uh, that whole thing, the way it gets triggered, I really like, because she just finds Anne taking the doll away from Janice and throwing it in the well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she follows her out there, and she's got the whole like sound of footsteps chasing Anne. And so she's looking great. back, and there's nothing there. And then the doll tries to pull her down into the well and the sister's immediately like oh okay uh-huh yeah <laughs> got and, it and then they're and then it's like what's going on just run <clears throat> and they're running away from the well yeah the sequence where uh janice gets rolled into the sh- the workshop yeah and uh, oh, sealed away from the others and then vomited into by annabelle's uh, spirit which is the demon yeah being possessed finally brutal watching that happen to her you're like man yeah, that sucks. I Poor kinda, Janice. I kind of do like how in the Conjuring universe, you know, someone's could get possessed. Like it because of the that. Fir- yeah, in the first Conjuring, we see the witch possess the mom finally bleh. by like going bleh bleh. in her mouth. The same it's with a clear. There's a clear tactic to it. Yeah, I yeah. um, call it the Evil Dead tactic. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that uh, Janice getting out of the wheelchair uh-huh. and uh, the dark coming around, and she again, it kind of yeah. looked like a jackal to me, but the demon taking its uh, form to take on Mr. Mullins. Also excellent. There's just so much good in that movie. They use mm-hmm. they use darkness really well. <clears throat> they how use it, darkness. They use their set really well. How it's how the darkness like almost kind of like uh, surrounds as like a mm-hmm. like an imposing force. Yeah. Uh, so Conjuring Two. Yeah, this is the best one. Conjuring yeah. Two is the best. Yeah, this Conjuring Two. Favorite. I forgot uh, how, how we finally get to have my extremely good. This movie. I would say is. Conjuring Two is the best of the. This films. is the conversation part of the conversation I've been looking forward to the most. I can't wait to talk about the Conjuring Two. The best horror Christmas movie. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie. It is. <laughs> fight me, Brandon. I'm not going to. I've 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 lost this. Fight it's about the it values of Christmas, family, care. and togetherness. I don't care. And here it is. <laughs> ho, ho, so the Crooked horrible. Man's really cool. Yo, the Crooked Man's really cool, but I don't want a spinoff movie. 
Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, are we getting a spin-off yeah, movie? Yep. Uh, so okay. anyway, uh, Conjuring Two is yes, I agree, one hundred percent the best of all of this. Yeah. Fantastic in every way. And again, way. like uh, I was talking about how like James Wan is like he's like the bee's knees of directors, right? It's so, like we watch Conjuring and then we watch Annabelle, uh, you know, Annabelle Creations, and then back to Conjuring Two. The first ten minutes, there's already more camera work, more more crazy lighting, more. I'm just like, God, this guy. So, I'm so glad he's I think, back on board. I think he has directed the best. Uh, um, oh, I guess I can't say it, but kind of cheeky, cheekily saying it. Uh, this is the best uh, Amityville horror film in the first five minutes of the movie. Oh yeah, I mean besides oh. the original one, uh, I mean like that original's. It's good. I've never of seen its it. time and holds Which up. Is See, so said, yeah, yeah. Which is why I said cheekily. Yeah. I'm saying this. <clears throat> I mean, but it, besides that, like it is a good representation of it. Yeah, I will yep. say it does a very good job of ha- tackling that case without doing a film about that case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that. How we find out that it's actually Valak who is involved in the case mm-hmm. was really interesting. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, like our, our, the Thanos of I, our universe. I get confused on that because I can't tell if it's that Valak did that, the Amityville case, or that Valak, she's having a vision about Valak while she's there. I got the assumption because Valak of the, was because there. Because of the consumption of the evil. Yeah, I thought that too, but then I think back on it after you know the rewatch and I'm like it's just I don't know I don't know if there is a right answer to Perhaps this. Perhaps it's deliberately vague. Because, because she's looking into the evil that's there but it doesn't show that Valak did it, the Amityville. What happens is that she she senses so much evil there, and a spirit from there takes her down to the basement where she has a vision of Valak, but Valak's only showing her the future uh-huh. because she's getting the subconscious visions of Valak. And what I think makes this questionable to me is because I don't think Valak is actually haunting her when they're at the home. She's having visions because she's so susceptible to this stuff, so she's having a vision of Valak because... That's she's being forewarned about her future. Okay, but it's not Valak actively being there because Valak is in London. And if that's the case, I think she's having a vision about Valak, Mm. not that she's actually encountering Valak. I think it's deliberate. I think it's deliberately vague. I do. I do also. But that's because I don't believe it's actually the entity of Valak. Because there have to be the further we get into this, there have to be some rules about what they can do and what they can't do. Because otherwise, like certain things don't make sense. Yeah. And I don't think Valak is actually in her home when the, the painting is there. I think she's having a vision. Oh, no, that is definitely like she's having a vision of Valak. Right, and that's home. what I'm saying. So that makes me wonder if Amityville is also that vision. Probably. Because, be. and, and here's the key reason why I come back to it. In the vision she has, she demands the name and gets it. Why yeah. would the demon actually give her the name that's right. when it's the thing that can beat it? That's right. Yeah. So if it's a vision of Valak, it makes sense why she gets the name out of the vision. If it's actually Valak, I don't understand. And sure. also, what I liked because the whole time I'm watching Carnage Two, I see Valak everywhere in the Warrens' home. Yes, like, because see- because I think uh, Ryan this has a point about this that I kind of agree with. But I think the implication of it is that Valak is so much in her home because you're supposed to realize that it it is something of her subconscious what she can mm-hmm. do, trying to scream at her, "This is coming! This is the name." So that you yeah. feel like it has been ever Probably. present in her life. I agree with Ryan that it should my, been. It's my very problem heavy-handed. Is it, is, it appears three times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying... Like, we're all very observant people. If I see the letters Valak spelled three times in my house, I'm probably going to notice it once, or the four of the people in this house <laughs> are going to notice it. Yeah. that's. I mean, I know, like, it, that's a small thing, but, like, it appeared multiple times, and I'm like, wow, you guys just really don't pay attention to your own house when yeah. things move around, right? You guys yeah. are paranormal investigators. That's so your whole it, thing. So if it is her vision... Uh, then that would actually make sense why Valak doesn't actually attack her in her vision ever. Exactly. That's that's why I'm yeah, I'm leaning right. towards that and that Amityville wasn't caused by Valak. I think but, he might be right. But was actually uh, 
her being led by the evil there to tap into that sense of what's further. Now, that doesn't change the fact that what happened at Amityville was probably terrible in its own right and something else. Just not Valak. But I don't know that it was Valak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Well, we're in London for this What a great film Uh that we can have this kind of deep thinking about. I think think, uh, The Conjuring 2 is so amazing, so terrifying, so chilling. And so many good scares, like consistently good scares. Valak is such an imposing and terrifying figure. Not only that, this is something I want, this is a great time to touch on it because I think Conjuring 2 is the best example of it. But when Joseph Bashara is doing the music which he did in the Insidious films with James Wan 1 and 2 as well, and those are fantastic horror scores. The sound of horror is just as important as the visuals. 100%. And the music for The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 and Annabelle Comes Home is fantastic because it's Joseph Bashara, and he makes some uncannily creepy new sounds. Uh, The nun's music when she's wandering around is very effective, specifically in the sequence you're talking about where she's in the study and the shadow moves around the room. That is the standout sequence. That is my favorite sequence across the entire franchise. You see her hands come out from behind the painting. That is the best sequence, in my opinion, of the entire franchise, and it is in no part short because of the music. So I got uh, so it's my favorite it's my favorite sequence in the film as well. Uh, it's the thing that stuck with me the most. My only thing is uh, with everything that Ed Warren has seen, he paints that thing and he's n- then he never once goes, "Why the this is really car- this is really creepy. Yeah. I'm not going to hang this up." <laughs> yeah, even Fanny was saying like, "Why would you hang a, p- a portrait of a creepy I ass think nun?" To in defense of that, I think you could make an argument that there is a sense of desensitization to it that mm, it doesn't yeah. have the same effect on you anymore yeah. when you've seen some of the things you've seen. Yeah. Um, I I understand. Like he still questions like why he had to paint it, but he was seeing it in his head, so yeah. he had to get it out. Uh, I I do think that there is a sense of like these things don't immediately like oh that bothers me when you've seen as much as it's implied the Warrens have seen, which by Annabelle comes home is quite a lot. Yes. I really like uh I really like how they talk about how they first met. Like they you know, like something happened to me when I was a kid and. Nobody ever believed me until I met the person who did, mm-hmm. and I married her. Yes, and I even, him. there's even a line in Annabelle Comes Home that's really sweet. Yeah, that we'll talk uh-huh. about later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was I gonna the, say? The personalities of the Warrens are are they're still like regular people, but like they're man, these are really charismatic, fun people. Like yeah. he plays guitar, he loves Elvis. Yeah, yeah. like oh. it's like these are just like these are genuine people who just want to help like people. He, they also deal with demons. Like when he's hearing the story about how her ex husband went away, like moved away, or left him. And then I was like, yeah, he took all of his music. We haven't had music in the house for years. Uh-huh. And he plays them Elvis and, yeah. b- and gets him the Blue Hawaii record. What? But one of my favorite shots, because I have two really good shots in this movie. Hold on, hold on. Can you hold on to it just for a moment? Because I want to touch on the Elvis moment you Go just talked it. about. Um, Patrick Wilson playing Elvis is another thing that James Wan is able to do. Specifically, James Wan really well with these movies is balance a tone of like the, the tension and the dread and then alleviate it in a, in a manner that feels organic. It's not going for comedy, but it's going for sweet-natured. And it allows you to connect deeper with the characters. And Patrick yes. Wilson singing Elvis is an excellent example oh, of yeah. that. Yes. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw the... Emo- I, I believed all the emotion from the mom. Like, like, oh my God, my kids are happy again. And all this horrible 100%. stuff is happening because these people came to help. But two scenes, because my favorite scene in the whole Conjuring universe or sequence is um, the demon with Annabelle under the staircase in creation. However, I love the scene with the nun in the study because that scares the daylights out of me. Final Fantasy XV boss fight. Mm -hmm. But also, so so many props to James Wan's camera work of when Patrick Wilson is talking to Bill Mm -hmm. where where you see Bill go from the girl to Bill, but he is never in focus. It oh yeah! Me, it actually took me uh, two watches to see that that had happened. Yeah, because when because when it's 
they're in the foreground with their eyes closed and they can't and they can't and they're looking away and you just slowly see her transform yes. into yes. Bill. Uh-huh. And I thought that was so cool. And him talking always out of focus. Patrick Wilson always in and it's a great conversation. It's a great it's a scene. long shot. And then finally when he le- he the spirit leaves and you can you see her you see the girl go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Uh, and it's yeah. freaky and it's great. It's yes. one of the things I like about the film is that the Warrens can't prove that this is really happening. Yeah. Because they but they want to. Uh-huh. But that's can't. one of the fun aspects of this movie. Like the cops are there and they're like, Oh, we don't want to deal with this. This is crazy. Yeah. Get out of here. Yes. Well then you yes. get that one girl who's like the skeptic the whole way and then she comes in and she says, Oh no, she's faking. I got no, proof here. The, it is. the the uh the cops when they come to the house, we can and the tell people no one moves over and then they're imme- immediately cuts to them walking out of the house. It's like, Well, there's not a lot that we can do about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that these are demons who don't like give a shit who's in yeah, the house. They're like, No, we're doing stuff. Specifically yeah. this movie. Love it. It's like ghosts are doing shit all the time in front of people and there's like oh this is just really happening I guess Valak much like the witch wants the Warrens away so badly that she's willing to force Bill to force the girl to stage things and and speak through Bill and speak through Bill Uh, Uh this is that's something that'll come up later Um, I'm talking about that sequence where it is excellent it's a fantastic sequence it's what James Wan does so well is it's not these jump scare things it's this tense uncomfortable imagery scares that he knows how to do and he knows how to do them well Mm -hmm. Uh and that's what makes the Conjuring films stand above all the others in my opinion in this franchise Um, is when we watched it. We all watched it together, but I had to take off and go to an orientation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I missed the last 30 minutes. So I rewatched them last night. In order to get to that 30 minutes, I was going fast forward through mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't have scenes like because it was digital. Anyway, when I hit that sequence, watching that in the little clip that shows up at the bottom of the TV and fast forward, that was something because I watched the transformation happen much faster that time, yeah. oh, but yeah. it's still effectively oh. disturbing see, like, to the see. Body morph and stuff? Yeah, 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 especially because it's one held shot and you're like, wow, that's crazy. If you have the opportunity, watch a fast forward of that scene. It's just interesting to watch the imagery. I think that the scene's excellent the way it is, but it is interesting to see it when you can see it so clearly happening. Yeah. Uh, really good. Yeah. It's it's brilliant uh, filmmaking. It really is. Let's use the just conjuring because conjuring two that they it takes stuff from the first conjuring film, but I want to say it amps it up a little bit more. Like the scene where after like where the girls are across the street and the neighbors, but it's only the mom and the one who's being possessed in, in the house still. And then they they the Warrens show up and they go out walk in the room and there's all those crosses mm-hmm. in the room. And then eventually later, when all like it's like a wave, all the crosses start turning yeah. upside down. Interns. Yeah, I, I made this, yeah I made yeah, a joke you made that of, joke. Uh, <laughs> like so there's like there's, a, there's some like 16 year old behind the wall just turning all these crosses for it's the like, shot. Sh- 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 and then in like every of them. every other movie now there's shots of crosses turning. I'm like oh they got that intern back for this one. Oh, yeah. the interns for Annabelle comes out. I, I know. Yeah, I noticed the the crosses going upside down a lot in the Nun, yeah. and also in uh, Annabelle comes hey, home. There's like, actually it's, there's it's actually effective. a really effective one. Since you brought up the Nun, I just want to talk about before I forget it. My, one of most one of the more effective scares for me in the Nun is when uh, Tessa Farmiga wakes up uh, after going to bed, bed and seeing one of the nuns like praying in the uh, praying in front of her bed mm-hmm. and. And it's, it's very subtle in the background. It's very subtle that the, in the background the cross is flipped. Yeah, it was good. It was a really effective yeah. one, I thought. But anyway, back um, to Conjuring 2. Conjuring 2 does the same thing very well that Conjuring 1 did, which is where I feel like I've just stepped into the lives of this family. Yes. And I care about all of them, but I didn't need to like have character-defining traits for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it, it's impressive. It's impressive yes. how those films work so well. And you care, you care about the character so much that when, when the girl becomes the crooked man, you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the crooked man reveal when he's... Uh, when the he dog. Be- the dog is terrifying. Oh, that's awesome. 
Uh, I love when the mom realizes that this is real and they bolt over to the neighbors and the neighbors yes. are super helpful and everything. It's it's a really cool, like, it feels more genuine of people yes. than the horror movies tend to go for tropes. Yes. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. You know that. what it reminded me of, honestly? I, I just realized uh, Poltergeist because that's a whole thing about parents believing their kids, uh, regular people coming in going, oh, this is all real, so, but like a way more horrific Funny version. thing is, I got the Poltergeist thing from Comes Home when the TV yeah. turns on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, funny, so this is a really quick little anecdote that I just looked up in just to double check but so uh, we know that the upside down cross is used in a lot of media as a term for like the antichrist you're going to talk about it not being actually meant to be the at- at antichrist it's technically uh, St. Peter's cross because yes, St. Peter didn't want to well die. I didn't know that yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting little bit it's been it's been kind of bastardized over the time but St. Peter didn't want to uh, didn't want to like have the same cross as Jesus so he flipped it yeah and well, he I'm was surpri- like this is not very cross. original I'm very <laughs> surprised you knew that yeah cool my uh, my favorite thing about this movie it's not even a jump scare it's just like it's like a plot device it's like a you have the two uh uh recorders because oh, he yeah. only got one part of bill's message and you realize yeah. that bill is not the bad guy he's being his spirit is being yeah. uh forced and it's and like of course it's, playing, it's to, like uh, to figure it out it was played backwards. he will not let me go uh-huh. and i'm like and that like blew my mind i'm like Man, James Bond, you're yeah, killing the it. Whole, the whole plot twist in this film that you don't get in horror movies of yeah. like, hey, that malevolent spirit you think is bad, guess what? Actually being held there by a demon. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a super like, great the idea. Demon, the, like the spirit itself, because like, when a, a, a Lorraine does commune with the spirit, he's like, I've been trying to leave. I know I'm done. I don't want to. I want to go. I'm 72. It's like, I want to go. The let demon me, won't let me she leave. She won't let me leave. Yeah. 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 The, the sequence where... Um, the boy is in the back and the crooked man appears and the crooked man chases him down the hall to where the family is and you hear it speaking like that but when it comes Uh around the corner it's the girl yeah so question is the crooked man valak or is that the crooked man is a uh or is that completely different it is a uh illusion created by valak which is what uh lorraine says when she uh, realizes that the the Bill spirit is being held, she's like Bill and uh, the Crooked Man. All of that has been manifestations created by Valak. All right, so Valak's the one like messing with them, which yep. is key gotcha. reason why I'm very upset they're making a Crooked Man. Spin-off. So yeah, so that's the, what I was the, about to the ask. Thing about the, the thing about the Crooked Man film being announced led me to believe that while because Bill is a real person who lived and the spirit yes, was being yes. bastardized by Valak, it feels like the Crooked Man. Will be retconned into being a similar type of entity, not a malevolent, not a benevolent entity, but like a malevolent entity that's being used by Valak. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yes, anyway. very likely they will do some retconning to say, "Hey, More that spirit Valak. also exists at some point." Which, um, More Valak. in my opinion, anyway. Sure. Uh, I don't need a Crooked Man spinoff. Yeah. I like the Crooked Man in this movie. I don't need a whole movie about him. Same here. I thought, especially a, because he's not his own thing. There's what? actually a Crooked Man movie, uh, like an asylum movie called oh, The Crooked God. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just want to give quick credit here. Uh, so the Conjuring, the two Conjuring films have been written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes entirely for the first Conjuring film, and the second one was Chad Hayes, Carrie W. Hayes, David Laisley, Johnson McGodrick, and James Wan, and they crushed both of those scripts. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. 100%. Um, and I only bring this up because we're going to talk a lot about Gary Doberman a bit, who's handled pretty much everything else in the franchise that yeah, isn't everything that's not Conjuring. and Conjuring Three. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll we'll get to that, but like they they killed it. These scripts are fantastic. They're tight, but they're they're inventive. Um, again, like the, the the thing is, I remember going into Conjuring, going into Annabelle Creation, going into Conjuring Two. I didn't know where it was gonna go. Yeah, yeah, and that's very strong. And what I think is so impressive about Conjuring and Conjuring Two is they're very bloodless, and I mean that yeah. people aren't killed, and yet they're very effective horror films. Yes. Even oh, though yeah. you you 
don't see people killed. I mean, it goes on a rewatch, you won't see people killed. One time I had, um, one time I had, I had, I had seen a, a change in how we create horror films. I had noticed that there was a big change in, for a long time, horror films, the bad guys won at the end. Uh huh. Primarily because they wanted sequels, but also because that was the way to go with them now because we've seen all the ones where bad guys didn't win. Where now the bad guys always win at the end. All the heroes died in either self-sacrificing or just in ways or whatever. And then there was a shift. And I think Conjuring was one of the reasons why that shift happened. I agree. Of, no, the bad guys need to lose at the end. We need to have a sense that good can win again. Sometimes, because Annabelle creation, it wins. Sure. But it's still effective. And yes, so in that one, two people did die. And yeah. I think in the, the most bloody of these films is Annabelle creation. As in but where, even we see, so where we our, see black our, blood. Our protagonists in Annabelle creation, most of them make it out. Yes. But there With are... the exception th- of the two Mullins and uh-huh. Janice. Yeah. But but for the most part, the people we care about make it out. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's it's very impressive. I think what is, speaking to your point, very much effective about this this these Conjuring films is that they have established that death isn't the only thing that's scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I think is a lesson that American Horror Story never learned and why I didn't care much for that show after a while is because they thought murder and death, actual killing, is what's scary. Yes. And it's not. It's not the only thing that's scary. Walking Things dead? that scare you are scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Demons are scary. Conjuring is Conjuring and Conjuring 2 are wonderfully effective at using their visual imagery to terrify you without having to murder any of the characters for you to still be scared. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the, the kill count in this franchise is very low, yeah. which is awesome. So, yeah. What, especially for Conjuring Conjuring 2, a, sp- a lot of Conjuring 2, and even some of the Nun, I remember, I don't know where exactly I heard this, but someone said that when people say they are afraid of the dark, they're not actually afraid of the dark. They're they afraid of what's fr- in it. Damn it, Brandon. Well, I was about to say it. I want to say it. You can still say it. Oh, you can yeah. still say it. I'm sorry. No, it's, the, it's, gone, it's gone now. But I thought, we it's, it's, I thought you were going to say the absence of light. No, it's that. <laughs> it's We don't, like, Conjuring 1. When uh when uh, that one sister or well, the two sisters in the room she sees something in the behind the door it's dark the girl goes in comes out Nothing's we don't know there. what's in it yep. yes the encroaching darkness yes. I want to say in like every time when Valak shows up the encroaching darkness before is, it became overwhelming fog yeah we don't know what is in there <laughs> we're terrified of going in that darkness yeah and it's it's your imagination that yeah. is so mm-hmm. terrifying mm-hmm. but the yeah. thing that I think the Conjuring films specifically the two Conjuring films have done so well is that you are terrified and your imagination's running wild with what the things are, but it never goes to what you expect. Uh-huh. It never does the typical horror tropes and it never, like, there's no close the mirror and there's something there sequences. I think the only one I can think of in all of this franchise is Annabelle Creation. And even then, it wasn't ham-fisted, which is the, oh, by the way, in Annabelle Creation, that moment when she does figure out that the demon's in yeah. B and B shifts into the adult jangly body but it's still a person and it's facing that. away from her creepy yeah um, terrifying yeah yeah uh, but it never goes for like a, when when they're looking in the corner and conjuring too and it's like there's something there in the dark and you expect something to come out or for them to turn the lights on and it's like that's it there's nothing blah blah, blah. then it's like yeah there is nothing there, there's nothing there and they go back to the beds and the beds start freaking us up like it throws you into all these different directions of what can be scary uh-huh. yes exactly that's what it's almost and, never what you're thinking and of. again right. uh to go back to my main point, like there, there's a difference between the Conjuring movies and these other movies. Like, yeah. the, like even Annabelle Creations is really great. Like it's still not. I don't think it's the Conjuring too. It's really good. But no. like the like 
not the Conjuring movies. Those are like pedestrian. Like they are traditional horror movies. Like you know, three X structure. You know, like, oh, you know when the jump scare's gonna happen. Uh, the Conjuring movies like really, they try to do something different and like they know how to scare you. And James Wan is just That's, so good at knowing how to scare you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's made, I made like almost nothing but horror uh, movies. Even Aquaman e- has horror in it. It's amazing. Even when uh, Lorraine figures out the demon's name. And she she figures out and she's like because at first I thought she was ripping up her own Bible, but no, she was like viciously writing it down. Yeah, I really like how even when the lightning st- strikes and we see that uh-huh. the point of the tree is like, yeah. oh, it's the tree that's gonna kill Ed. Doesn't I obviously. mean? But we know that because these are kind of based on true stories. Ed doesn't die then; he he lives into. The but it's 2000s. not important. You yeah, know? it's not important to know that going into it because again, like death isn't the thing that matters. It's no. it's what's happening in the middle uh-huh. and everything else. Yeah, that, yeah. That it's the journey of it that's so. Uh, I don't want to say like terrifying because that's not the word I'm looking for, but like uh, pulse engaging, I guess. There you uh, go. Uh, it's it's what gets it all going and, and it all works for you. Yeah. Speaking to what you said about a three act structure, that is like what Conjuring and Conjuring Two so successfully did. I'd argue Annabelle Creation. I'd even argue the Nun to an extent. Uh, they violate the Nun is like the bad outlier where I like a lot of the stuff in it. Which yeah, is but weird. but they violate the three act structure. Some of the best things that'll happen, some of the scariest sequences, the Nun walking through the study happen far earlier than the third act of the film where a lot of other horror films save all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You are engaged in scary things throughout. That's what makes yeah. this franchise work so, on the whole. So <laughs> I know we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna s- to start going to the nun, but I actually had a yeah, lot it's of nun and up. I I had a lot of fun with the nun. Uh did uh, real quick, any last thoughts on Conjuring Two? Conjuring I think 2 it's great. fantastic. It's an it's excellent incredible. Christmas movie. Um, it's one of the best horror movies of the time. I'm giving century. you I'm giving you shit, but I did think about it and I'm like, well, you know, Yo, man, I see you go up for Christmas horror. Lights. It does have like, you know, Christmas values to it. Sure. And I do like <laughs> it. Uh I do like that it's a very effective film that's set in that Christmas time period. It also does add a, a flavor to it that I think works really well. Right. Um Exceptional Conjuring Two Number One. So let's go to the Nun. Who nun. We, the next one in the con- in the franchise was Annabelle Creation, and now, but then it was the Nun. The Nun. The Nun. Uh, this was again one Ryan and I did not see in theaters and saw for the first time this week. Obviously, Ben did as well. Um, I saw this one in theaters. Yeah. You know, yes, you did. So once again, going back to my Final Fantasy analogy, I got a lot of dungeon dungeon crawler vibes. Yeah. And I actually this seems like a haunted a haunted uh, monastery is, for sure. I had a yeah. lot of Fanny and I. We talked a lot during the Nun. But it didn't like. There are some creepy things, but also there's a lot of things that we're yelling. Is like, hey, uh, ladies, you know the door that says God ends here. Lock the damn door. So that's the that's the thing. Um, so the thing about the nun Uh is, I don't think it's particularly good. I do think there's good imagery in it. There's less so less so good scares, but there's a lot of good imagery, and I think the main three are actually pretty engaging. Yeah, so like, this is, again, this is like the weird outlier where like, I like most of the characters and a lot of the scares are good. It's just like, it's the plot and the story. I'm just like, really bad decisions. Just some really bad decisions in the execution of some of this stuff. Yeah, it, uh, yes. You and I, you and I had a long conversation about this after trying to kind of piece out what, what I, like, worked I, and what didn't work. I love a lot of the imagery in this more than I would say a lot of the other movies, but very, it's the execution of the rest of it. Very yeah. cool to be set at the Abbey. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. like it's the setting great, of the Abbey. Not only is it spot. different for this franchise, it's very different from most horror movies. That's an awesome setting. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, once, uh, yeah, the plot itself is kind of, and there's just a nun suicide and then just tumbles, tumbles into there. But even the Mother Superior, when we first see her, I'm like, She's that's she's. Oh, evil. you mean like the black dress? Yeah, the like, oh, Alice. And that, and Alice. That's one of the things. Abbas, that, thank that's you. That's actually one of the. So one of my favorite things about the nun uh, is that this is one of the first times that they blatantly have benevolent spirits actively trying to stop Valak. Yeah, and like there, there's a lot of when you because the the film cues you in. If you see their face, 
they're good. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be there to help. They're trying to help. If you mm-hmm. don't, they're bad. And it only ever violates that once. And I think that's kind of engaging. I, I like I like I like that idea that when you realize they were all dead the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I just wish the execution on it had been better. Sure. It's good ideas not executed well. Yeah. Um, I don't like a. Uh, I right away was put off about the idea of a nun film to begin with because I think that if you overuse the imagery of Valak, Valak is less scary. Mm-hmm. And 100% I feel that way coming out of the nun. Even watching, yeah. uh, even looking at pictures or images left from Conjuring 2, I like I said, I watched the last 30 minutes of Conjuring 2 again j- last night because I needed to to just remind myself of what happened. Valak showing up in that, I was less intimidated because I have now seen the nun. Yeah. And that disappoints me because I was like, yes, you're going to you're going to overuse this image. The image was used so well in Conjuring 2, and I and and it relied so heavily on her in, in the nun. Nothing else but her. Uh, and kind of kind of killed it for me. Even each of the Annabelle films try to bring in a different spirit. But the nun is just specifically it's just Valak. Yes, and I yeah. have a big problem with the fact that Valak speaks. Oh yeah. Oh, she does. Yes. Also like physical manifestations now, like physical zombies that we can attack. Oh yeah, yeah. what up with that? Yeah, a little I weird, right? I wasn't a fan of that. No, I wasn't a fan of yeah. that either. Um again, some of the execu- like some of the imagery is great, but so, like doing some uh, dumb this stuff. This one I kind of do want to go by by in a little bit of piece by piece yeah. in a sense. Um Formiga's character, uh cool that she likes dinosaurs and uh kind of challenging the idea of religious beliefs. It goes nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, here's what cra- here's what's crazy. Gary Doberman wrote Annabelle Annabelle Creation, The Nun and Annabelle Comes Home. The Nun seems like a script that was rushed and forced yeah, on absolutely. him. And yeah. it shows in production that oh, it was rushed. I, oh, Jesus. This is why I wanted to talk about The Nun. Uh, well, one of the reasons. Okay, so my NDA is up for The Nun. The Nun had massive issues. Yeah. It shows. It had huge issues within within production. They were still cutting that movie together and shooting it two weeks before the movie was due to be released. And the problem was that the director, I don't remember who the director was named, but he blew it. He destroyed this movie. and Hold on, I got it right here. Yeah, so he destroyed this movie. The last two, three weeks... Corin Hardy. So yeah, the, the film, he, he destroyed the movie. And James Wan had to come in and direct what was left. So a, there's a lot of reissues that are directed by James Wan. He did it uncredited because he want, Very nice. He cared about that. He cares about this franchise. He doesn't want to see anything ruin it. Yeah. But he. But it was too late. He salvaged uh, it, if anything. In theory. So I pointed out to Ryan, there are a whole lot of light aperture problems in this yeah. film. Uh, what that is, uh, Ben's giving me a quizzical look. So uh, what that is, is that there would be shots. A great example of this is the first time she sees uh, the, the nun praying. Oh, yeah. And she's approaching it from the back. So if you, on that shot, there is a bright light and then there's a brown thing right in front of the nun. Once the shot gets close enough that that white light has disappeared, the light aperture has to resume and refix itself. This happens several times in okay. the movie where the light has to readjust itself in shot. This is normally, it happens in big budget movies, but normally only like once. There were about like eight in this movie. Amateur. And it's not something you can fix easily in post-production. It is something that happens when you're filming it and you have to adjust the lighting in filming in order to fix it. Yeah. You want to know what, what my biggest problem was with this movie? It, I mean. Fog. That. But also <laughs> when uh, the main character, the, the nun who wasn't a nun until the very end, she kept saying the, wor- the phrase Mary lights the way they finally I'm like 
Okay. Yeah. So there's got to be a statue of Mary pointing somewhere. And then when they finally get, do get to that statue, it's like a freaking lighthouse. No, it's a freaking lighthouse. My it's demon. straight to the That's, damn thing. I'm yes, like, are you stupid? The Nun is the one movie in this franchise to have a stupid MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. You the don't bl- like Jesus' blood? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I do like the line, though. Where the French oh yeah. yeah. So okay. So I will I will forever say that the funniest line in the entire franchise comes from the nun, uh-huh. and I, it is primarily because it speaks to my comedic sensibilities. No, no, I agree. Of, that of is hilarious. When, when just he when the French is like holy shit, and the priest is like the holiest. Yes. No, that's a good line. <laughs> that's just, good. like yeah. It killed you me want in us, theater. You yes. want us something, Brandon? When you told because remember you mentioned that before, oh, and then I'm watching it last night, and then when he says the holiest i'm like that's where he got yeah, it it, is, good. it, is, it kills me every <laughs> frenchy time. frenchy is a legitimately like fun character Fantastic. yeah i like frenchy uh, a lot and i like it when and he's the smartest like, until the end oh yeah i like it when he like takes the cross and he goes yes. back to the tavern Dude, he's a baller. wonderful yeah, he's cool. oh yeah okay. that suicide of the girl doesn't go anywhere no it's oh, just the, to tell oh. you that bad things are happening yeah, yeah. But it doesn't it just make sense because valak's evil is infecting the town which doesn't make sense since valak is still contained to the abbey and can't escape but whatever um this uh, is not a well done script. No, no, one hundred percent, it's not. Uh, the confusion around the nun spirits who are trying to help her is messy, it's to say messy. the least. Uh, I like the fact that they're all dead. Ryan and I were trying to hope that that was going to come around. I pointed out to you that that one shot where the nun is leaving crying, and I'm like, that's got to mean something. And what it meant is that they actually were the spirits of those nuns trying to help. Yeah. Um, Right off the bat, do you want to talk about the thing that bothered you throughout the whole movie, which was the uh, the opening, with uh, the door with the door? Oh, so yeah. So the, this movie begins with with these two nuns like running, and they they're trying to open this door. The oh, the one that says God ends here. <clears throat> yes, God ends here. So I, I don't know if you you agreed with this before we got further on, but I got the implication that they released Valak, I, and that didn't make any sense to me because they opened this thing where it says God ends here. I'm like, why would they open the door where Valak is being held? Yeah. I don't know if that was supposed to be the implication. It's not. It's, it's not, not. But it's, it's bad, not communicated well. It's bad what directing. is the implication is what happened is, and it really doesn't make sense. It doesn't make later any in sense. the movie when they go to get Jesus's blood, they take a different route. They don't go through the door that we see. So, but the thing is, supposedly that was the way to get to the relic, but they make it look like it's where Valak was contained. Yeah. But it's established later in the film that all of the other nuns but those two had already been killed by Valak. It's a bad, right. it's just bad setup. It doesn't, it's, it's just all messy. It the doesn't make bad sense narratively. Uh, it, it's not made clear ever. Um, they even confuse it further when it looks like Valak is trying to take the key because visually that's what it's looking like it's saying, but that's not actually what Valak was trying to do. It's yeah, it's her, not strong. Val- Valak's motivations are also very very weak in this film. The, and the, yeah, I will I will say you know talk about retconning uh, a lot of things. The idea that Frenchy is oh, oh, who, uh, that's, save that for last. That's the worst. Who save that for last? We're getting a little long, so yeah, I want to yeah. try to. Speed I mean it yeah, up. that's fine. But I, this is what we're doing. We're doing this conversation, and there's a lot to say about the nun. Uh, the sequence where the uh, father is taken into the cemetery. Yeah. Where he's lured there, and That's the snake comes out of Daniel's mouth, and then pulls scene. him straight into the yeah, that get you. Yeah. Uh, pulls him straight into buried a alive, buried alive sequence was incredible. Very good. That was pretty cool. I love it. And when she comes looking for him, and all the bells go off. Excellent. Incredible. Excellent. The fact that these two people don't immediately go, okay, this is really bad, and this is on a whole place, is baffling. And that uh, my biggest problem with this movie, my second biggest problem with this movie, is that it rewards stupidity. 
these characters constantly, outside of Frenchie until the very end, make stupid decisions, is, and it rewards them for it. This is the first Conjuring movie where I'm like, oh, this is a bad horror movie. Like, I like all the stuff, but, like, they are making stupid decisions that none of these characters in any previous movie have made before. That they like, ne- they're actively being stupid. I'm like, I thought we learned from this. All these yeah. movies before this didn't do this. The fact that they they stay at the Abbey and ne- and allow themselves to separate from each other after that point Multiple is times. insanely dumb. Multiple times. Insanely dumb. He was pulled underground. He was buried alive. And buried alive. <laughs> Get that out. makes no sense as people who believe in this stuff. Yeah. There's no reason. There's no reason why you should be allowing yourselves to be separated. Why you should be putting yourselves in these dumb situations. Real quick, would you guys say it's it's the worst of the Conjuring franchise? Because I say it's I the didn't second see worst. La Llorona, it, it's, so it's I weird. don't count count La Llorona. I think I had the most no. I think I had the most fun with it because Fanny and I were just talking the whole time, and I was like, "Man, that's 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 dumb. Don't do that, you idiot." And then, uh, yeah, I I would. I haven't seen La Llorona, but I would say again, don't count La Llorona. Yeah, yeah, but this I would say this is the worst one because uh, I think I like I, this more than Annabelle. Here's the it's thing. more fun. Here's the thing. Yeah. I also agree. I like this more than Annabelle only because I will forget everything in Annabelle if I don't see it. Again. I already have. I remember. <laughs> I will remember at least the sequence of of that we just described of Daniel leading him out and the snake coming the out of his mouth and being pulled into the ground. I'll remember that. I will remember the sequence where they're walking into the room and it's very Silent Hill esque with all of them. Oh, with, yeah. oh, with the with bags, the bags of heads. blood yeah. and they're turning. Those are incredibly good sequence yeah. uh, sequences. I will at least remember those. The plot is terrible. Just it's not even terrible. There are good ideas there. It's just executed so wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, it feels sloppy. And, yeah. and after what you said, Brandon, about like <laughs> they were still there, shooting there's, it. There's that one sequence out. you were talking about where uh, Valak appears in the mirror the first time behind her, and like the effects are terrible. Oh yeah. yeah. And you can see she, like grabs and the then, back uh, of her head. Yeah. It, looks like where, it looks like a horrible final cut sequence of like it's yes. pulsating. Yes. And, uh, the sequence where the father is being approached by all of the nuns with their faces gone, like and you can clearly masks. see when the fire yeah. hits, it's just the black masks. I'm oh, like, this doesn't is bad. look good. I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, those are just. And see, black. the thing is, like, all these Conjuring movies, like, they're super successful because one, they're good, but they're also made cheaply. They're not cheaply to be made cheaply. They're cheap because you don't need the money. This is a cheap movie. Uh, another huge thing that I don't like in this movie: when the father is pulled underground, he's pulled into a grave that they will tell you. I, I think it's the director says well that was just coincidental <laughs> uh, when he's pulled into the grave there's books in there and he's like those oh. might help me and it has Valak's name in it oh, which is right. suppo- oh. and it's like Valak pulled him into the ground so Valak pulled him into Valak the ground is to where sabotaging is to own. sabotage Valak yeah. which they also, don't even use also those books weren't there when he was in the in the Grave well, no, that's the whole thing. It created an illusion, it's, and then he's actually dumb. in somebody else's grave. That's fine. And the tombstone has his freaking name on it. Yes, that, all that's that, all spooky. All stuff. that is spooky stuff. That's fine. But the fact that he gets a book that describes Valak, and then they don't dumb. use the name, and that Valak showed him that book is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I do like how the nun gets Valak by spitting into her uh, interface with Jesus's blood. Yeah. Oh, that is good. Yeah, it's it's cool, but it's not what I wanted to happen. No, um, uh, I'm trying like to think if there's anything else up to that point. I got. That I, I have. To touch a, on. I have a personal. This is me, and yes. it does not ruin the movie thing. This is just a me thing. I don't like that Vera Farmiga's younger sister is the main character in this movie. They're not related. They don't have to be related, but she looks very much like her. This is a prequel. She even has special psychic powers. Oh yeah. I don't think you needed to cast this person's younger sister in this movie because it only, for me, draws questions like, wow, are they related? Is this going to tie into this? When all of these movies are trying to tie into everything, it doesn't do that. And I was like, man, how many other actresses? I'm like, she's not bad in this, but like, it's her sister. It's the main character's sister from The Conjuring. I was like, it's a, why is she in this movie? I think it's a fun little Easter egg. But, 
but it's, it's not a, an Easter. It's egg. not an Easter egg. No, it's a, it is for it is for audiences to be like, oh, that's the that's she's related to Vera Farmiga. I don't think it. I I, I again, it doesn't, it doesn't. You said detract. it was just your, it was just your yeah. your thing, and I think yeah, yeah it, does, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It doesn't detract anything. I mean, me. I agree. I agree. Like it doesn't bother me, but I wouldn't call it an Easter egg either. Um, it's just like, hey, I know this person. Let's cast her. Uh, yeah. So not to say that she isn't talented. She no, is. she's good in the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't like, and I know Ryan agrees with me. I don't like that this ends uh, with them beating the nun. Uh, I would have rather that when he does compound her and she is possessed, that she had stayed possessed and she killed Frenchie and she killed the father, and that's how Valak got away. Yes. To that's, set up where Valak that is ends a up. more that is a more detrimental powerful ending to me than the way that they take victory over again Valak. Annabelle creation like, like they lose in that right Ooh. if all these prequels you need to set up where the bad guy gets to so they have to lose for it to matter where the, per- the bad guy gets to also speaking about music it super duper bothers me that they Joseph Bashar created an incredible theme for the nun in Conjuring 2 and it's not used at all here that's so Oof, silly does that suck um, they, they they did establish in the Conjuring 2 that the person that they that they exercised uh, with the cross coming out of his out of his thing or whatever. Conjuring one. The, yeah, the conjuring one. But it, no, it's established in the conjuring two that the what she whispered, what that person whispered, was the death of Ed Warren. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it that what Valak was telling her in the Amityville is also what that person told her that made her want to like stop doing this for a while. So I do kind of see where the idea that it was Valak still. I do kind of see where that came from, but I don't think it. I don't think it needed to happen that way. Yeah. It's a detractor. It's I think it's stupid. It's frankly, in my opinion, a dumb ending. It feels very retconny. It feels very forced to put Valak into a pervasive presence of their entire lives. Uh, is, this, is this the Maurice part we're talking yes, about? Yes, the yeah, Maurice yeah. part. Yeah, I didn't like this. Um, like, it just felt like the super honestly, retcon. The second he said, "My name is Maurice," yeah. and then we get to the part of Conjuring One. I'm like, I said, "I'm oh. so." I was, they had to put that bit at the end because when he said his name is Maurice, I'm like, "Who?" It might, me too. And then me they too. showed us the footage, and half of it is the original actor, and then half of it is new Frenchie. Yeah, and, like, and then I, yeah, because I saw that, I go, "Oh, yeah." I uh, didn't. I definitely did not need that. But at uh, the same time, it's like I didn't need it. I mean, it's weird. The Nun is my favorite setting. I love old cast, old haunted castles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, everything else was just like this is just kind of fun for me. It's like, hey, these people yeah, are being stupid. There's some, there's some imaginative sequences, um, but there's a lot, there's a lot to. It's the dumb. Like, it's like, not the worst movie, but it's definitely the dumbest one. Like right when the parts that kind of got me, that got me a little tense, was when uh, the in the very beginning of the movie, when the nut, when the numb who was about to like jump off the ledge, she looks and she sees Valak coming at her. That's a cool image. And she's and then, crying and she's like, "Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do." Yeah, yeah, and then like the cross goes upside down and it even lights on fire. Yeah, and the and it's like, oh, that's pretty. Hard, hard, home hitting imagery. I like, right there. I like seeing Valak uh, walk through the corridors. Yeah, that's uh, I like freaky. That. I, think I thought cool the shot image. honestly was more effective in the post credits of Annabelle Creation. It's the same shot though. No, it isn't. What's so different about it's, it? It's a closer shot. Oh, it's, a, it's only focused on her in the oh, corridor. Oh right, that There's is at the end of that movie. It. it is a more effective shot because it feels very personally invasive and it's slower. I didn't see that part. I just took yeah. the DVD out of my BS4 and said, "Okay, I have a. Uh, what do I have next? Conjuring mm-hmm. to a nun. Yeah, almost there. It's it's none. unfortunate. I do feel like um. And maybe this is much how people felt about Annabelle when Annabelle came out, but I do feel like this is this is a misstep for the nun, and we're supposedly getting a sequel. And then when the nun two creation comes out and it's dope and awesome, we'll just be, be saying. Great. So uh, we're going a little long, so I guess we'll put our Annabelle comes home discussion uh, online into its own review into special. Its own review yeah. special. Uh, um, yes, I imagine so. I did want to ask. Uh, speaking of the nun two, where do we want to see this franchise go? 
Oh, I yeah. feel like some of that will come up after we talk about Annabelle comes. Yeah, home. I was gonna say. All right, so maybe we can wait. Uh, what I will say is what we know is on the books. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in the Crooked Man. Same. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't. Happening. I don't have a lot of interest in the Nun Two. I am interested in the Conjuring Three, but it's not the same creative team. Different writers, different directors. So yeah, that makes me that nervous. Really scares me. Uh, nervous. James Wan may be producer, but James Wan's been producer on on the bad ones in this too. Yeah. yeah. This franchise is cool, but I will say it has far more, in my opinion, like misses than hits. I mean, like it, without La Llorona, like we're what like half the movies are good, right? Yeah. We got yeah. the two Conjurings and Annabelle Creation, and then the other three are like uh, fine to whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I um quickly on the curse of la llorona uh the reason why we didn't talk about it is because you take 10 seconds out of that film and it's no longer a conjuring movie also yeah. also the reason i didn't see it in theaters is you said it was eh. and it's not good uh yeah so i don't and that's if that is part of the conjuring universe then there you go there's i mean if, if it was on dvd i i think we would have watched it but let's we we as we sure. were watching these movies this week we had no way to i do will it. never ever ever consider the curse of la llorona a conjuring film until, no until, they, until they make another yeah. connection until oh, the Warrens deal with Law Urona. So we did get some, we did get some uh, before we, we get out of here, we did say, get some comments. I like comments. On our, uh, on I our just noticed a shirt you're wearing. It's a great shirt. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, posted the thing and uh, the Key Thief says the best franchise, heart, heart emojis. Oof, I don't agree. I don't know about okay. the best, I but it's pr- it was real good. I I don't. Yo, if it was just Conjuring and Conjuring Two, and then Annabelle Creations, that's like a perfect trilogy. If you right want to say dude. the best horror franchise, I might give you that. Um, at Fan Dads, yeah, 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 modern. At, at Fan Dad says, uh, I have not seen the bottom three in your image, but I love the top three. Uh, referencing to Conjuring, I put them in release order, so it's Conjuring, Annabelle, Conjuring Two. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I mean, there's things to like about all these movies. Yeah. Warren at Warren underscore files says, did you forget about the, uh, the curse of La Llorona? No. Um, we want to though. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> never seen it. Can't, uh, can't share a full opinion on that. Linda Cardinelli's in that, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, I love Carlene. I love her. I, I got to see that movie now. Yeah. At crib. Suxa. Yeah. Sorry. What I've up? watched them all. I've watched them all. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Cool. So cool stuff. Uh, what do you want to see? Brandon. Uh, well, I told you what I wanted from a, from a nun prequel. I, I wanted a uh, uh, maybe off air, but like yeah, I was not on <coughs> air today. I really want to see a crusade stuff. Right? A crusade yeah. horror. Yeah, I was talking story. to him about that too, dude. Because yeah. we don't see many horror movies like that. Yeah, well, I would love to see a, a crusade horror movie about when Valak was first summoned, dude, and having the, having the the church having to deal with that. What was it? Was the nun where we saw like the ritual of like the the ground? Yeah. open. that was awesome. Yeah, seeing Valak. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That you was super like in the cloak. Like and that stuff. whole no. I love like, cults, guys. <laughs> that whole warlock scene. I'm just yeah. like. Final Fantasy, and then the, and then yeah. the, crusa- the Crusaders come in. Like I would love to see, like yeah. the, our main characters are Crusaders yeah. trying to stop uh, the. Uh, Remember the beginning Valak. of the Mummy, the Mummy, yeah. ha- that stuff too. That's the cool man. Crusade stuff so cool. So it's like something like that would be really cool. Yeah, I'm into so, it. So uh, uh, I like Conjuring I, Three. I, I like do want to just Conjuring Three. I do want to just say real quick, they have made some comments about the next Nun film, and what it is is quote I do know where potentially if the nun works out where the nun two could lead to and how that ties back to Lorraine's story that we set up with the first two conjurings and make it all come full circle. That's not what I now, wanted to hear. <laughs> that being said, and that was Juan, James Wan talking about all it. All right. Now that being said, there have been like things that they were planning for conjuring three, for example, and it sounds like those things have changed. So that's not set in stone. That was in 2017. Um, in 2019, Peter Safran said that it is in development. 
Uh, it's a really fun storyline plan for the film, and uh, that there was always an inevitability to another nun film. So maybe, maybe we'll go prequel instead. Yeah. I don't um, want Lorraine. And the Conjuring Three, I like the I like the concept that it's them going to try to get someone off of a murder tri- trial. Yeah, that's the that's the new one. The original. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Exorcism Animal of Emily as well. Rose. The original mm. plan for Conjuring Three was going to be a werewolf story. Yeah. Not anymore. But just see where that got slammed out. Come on, it's loud. Uh, all right, so we're, we're running this a little long, so let's get into our book club, shall Heck we? Heck yeah. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Book Store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, Anything readable? Right then, time now for our book club. It is my turn. Oh. Uh, and I kind of quickly picked this one because uh, I've been a busy week. Um, so I picked A Study in Emerald, which is uh, adapted from a book written by, from a short story by Neil Gaiman. Uh, the art and adaptation script by Raphael Albuquerque and adaptation script by Raphael Escavone. It's a double Raphael joint. Uh, colors Dave Stewart. Uh, letters Todd Klein while I'm doing the whole credits there. Yeah, hell yeah, everyone gets credit, <laughs> um, baby. So this is a kind of Lovecraftian Sherlock Holmes story. I I kind of blindly picked this up um, from previews because I like Neil Gaiman. I didn't know it was based off a short story. Mm -hmm. There was never a sequel. However, he has talked about doing one. It needs a sequel because it cuts off real. It cuts off. Um, Yeah. So what did you guys think of this one? Let's go into that. I'll say right off the bat, uh, I was so excited to read this book because it is everything. It's Neil Gaiman. Uh, I like Sherlock Holmes, but I don't like love Sherlock Holmes, but I love Cthulhu and I love Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of elements that I really like in this book. I feel that it's kind of pedestrian in some spots, and I think without the twist ending at the end, I think it kind of wastes the excellent material that was set up. Uh, there are stuff I really like that we'll talk about, uh, specifically like like the, the the queen, like what a crazy awesome idea, and like so like the the old god stuff, just just in, in society. That's the shit that I that, that they I rule love. society. I love that stuff, man. Like we are integrated society with Lovecraft. I love that. I just think some of the execution was kind of boring, to be honest. Right, Sparks. I'm I pretty much echo what Ryan said in, oh, really? in almost every way. Oh, cool. Uh, where I felt, especially at the beginning, that um, a lot of things that weren't directly being tied to. Uh, the Lovecraftian nature were were very like okay, right? Um, and it didn't it didn't grab. I don't think it grabbed me until maybe issue three mm-hmm. or well, whatever is, the chapter is. Be chapter uh, yeah, because yeah. this was didn't, didn't come out as issues. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, so chapter three, whatever. Like it, it had to get pretty deep in for me to start really be feeling invested. I'm going to be honest, like, sorry to jump in, but like, I, I, I expected this to be way longer because this is the equivalent of like four issues. Yeah. Like maybe even less. And I'm like, less. I got, I got to the end and I'm like, wait, this is it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I agree. Cause I, I was expecting so much more story and I'm like, Oh, I like this ending, but man, like, well, that's the problem with adapting a, sh- a short story. It's super short. hundred percent. And like, yeah, uh, it, it immediately tantalizes me with a world I'm interested in without doing a lot with it. Yeah. Yeah. Ben. Oh, I actually really dug it. Um, this is one of those for me uh, when I was getting into it. Um, like when we see the major find the Cthulhu monster, the second I thought that saw that monster, I'm like, oh, this is right up Ryan's alley. And it, then it, we yeah, get, the image is great. Yeah, and then we get to him in uh, Baker Street with me and the detective, and I'm thinking, is this Sherlock Holmes? But they never say their names, and I really enjoy that. Getting through yeah. the whole book and then seeing the 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 green. I was like, "What's the green? Is that what?" Because I it does it does t- it does tease you into a world before it goes into. I think the 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 
moment when we realize that the world is not the same yeah. uh, is when we see the queen. Oh, yeah. That is when we see the queen. Because I, I think that's the first time that we're cued into, oh, the world's just not the same yeah, world. Because they, the, they get to the crime scene, and the, the, old, the first thing that tipped me off that this is possibly a Sherlock Holmes story is Baker Street. Because that's where Sherlock Holmes is, right? Is it Baker also Street? it's called the Study in Emerald? Well, I didn't realize. Wait, can I look at it I real did... quick? The first, okay, I'm sorry. Study in uh, Scarlet. Right? The very first book uh, written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is called a, a Study in Scarlet. Oh yeah, because I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I... Yeah, it's actually actually goes a little bit similar. It's a, a little different, and the book relies, uh, the short story and this rely on your previous knowledge of Sherlock Holmes. There you to go. Fill Dr. In Watson the is a injured war veteran. Like that's how I immediately th- I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, they don't call him Doctor." Well, they say Dr. Watson somewhere in here. They say Doctor. They say Doctor. But like yeah, yeah they say Doctor. But they don't He's say injured. John Watson they, until they, don't. they, they don't. don't. They say John Watson at the end about the other guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh once I cuz I that's what John Watson is. Like even though uh-huh. that's, like what we know about John Watson, he was an injured war vet and he yeah. goes, "I helped this really smart guy." I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's But yeah, yeah. Brandon, that's the thing. I have I don't have a knowledge of Sherlock Holmes besides the names and characters. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. That's uh, fair. So going in so going into this, I uh, like study Emerald, I was like, why is it called Study Emerald? Then I got to the scene where it's all blood and he's and the major says it's a study in Emerald. I'm like, huh. Okay. Yeah. And I thought I didn't know that was blood Which, or that actually doesn't make sense because it's green. <laughs> well, oh, Emerald. Yeah. Emerald, emerald is a green color. <laughs> emerald the He just got it. He just got it. It's okay, bud. We're good. Um so as I was reading this, I was really getting into it and then once I saw the queen, that's when I knew. Oh, this is, this is very. Yeah. This is not the world I, want, I know. That's what, I needed more of that stuff because I really like where it's like it's not going overboard with all the Cthulhu stuff. Uh-huh. But like, if you're going to introduce me into this new world, this new comic world where Lovecrafting old gods are just reigning supreme, like uh-huh. it's a murder investigation about an old god. Like, I need more of that stuff. Like it's not get there to, enough. Like they get to the theater and there's that scene about the priest about the people like killing the priest with his own crucifix. Right. And then. Because the whole time I'm thinking, this is a Sherlock Holmes story, but they haven't told us it's Sherlock Holmes. And uh, you guys, and for me, I, as I was reading this book, I really dug the twist. I like, dug the mystery. I'm like, this is like a, I imagine a Sherlock Holmes novel to be yeah. about him de- de- doing through crazy deductive reasoning and going through all of these things to get to the end of the solution. And then finally, I really like the twist. How I was not following Sherlock, following Sherlock and Watson. I was following goddamn Moriarty. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked that a lot. That, that definitely, was, uh, it saved this book for me. Like the whole lot. time, because I, I would say, I would want to say in almost every iteration of Sherlock, maybe I'm wrong, I don't watch Sherlock shows, but he uh, at least always wears the hat, the detective hat. And then we get that one like panel. Trademark thing. Yeah, yeah, we get that one panel with him in the detective hat and the name John slash James Watson. I'm like, I'm, this is Moriarty. Yeah. I, so, Moriarty was the hero of the story. Yeah, so, it's, so it, is, it is intended to be James Moriarty. And Colonel Sebastian Moran, mm-hmm. who is a um, who's a, a longtime accomplice of Moriarty, much in the same way that Watson is an accomplice of, of mm-hmm. uh, Evil Batman. And yeah, Robin. yeah. So it, it's um, for those of you who aren't as familiar with Sherlock Holmes, like like uh, like Ben, Me. Um, the Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows movie, uh, the sniper, that's Colonel Moran. Yeah, that's who that is. And th- and once again, I didn't catch that. Now that makes sense of how he was talking about how he used to be a crack shot in the army, and mm-hmm. then when he visited the queen, yeah, actually, was, it's a, his arm was healing. It's actually an interesting. It's actually an interesting cue because uh, I noticed because Watson wasn't a sniper; mm-hmm. he was a field yes. medic. There you go. So S- I was like, "Excuse me." Yeah. Uh, so was he always a? I- this is where I w- was confused. Is all of society aware that yes. they live in this old god yes. society? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Moran doesn't know that. 
does he come from an alternate world where that wasn't the case till he saw the monster, the the creature? I don't. And think then so. he transferred over because when he sees the green blood, he's not he's confused by it. When he sees, oh, but he says, but he says, you've never seen royal, have you? And he's like, no, I've never seen a royal. Maybe. Only and he the Lovecraftian gods are royalty. And he seems flabbergasted by the... I'm just saying, if like everybody does everybody know, then wouldn't he know? So I thought the implication was that he used to live in a world where that wasn't the case. And then now, oh, once see, he I, saw the creature, he wasn't... Because, I understood Because it. that's why it threw him, seeing I get the that. creature. I understood it as he, he had never seen these creatures. Like, nobody's seen these creatures unless you've worked with royalty. And if you haven't worked with royalty, you don't know what they look it's like, like. We're never going to meet the president, you know, because it's no, because they they talk about it in, in later because uh, they talk about it later when we see the flashback of Sherlock le- uh, luring the Archduke or whatever the hell. Uh-huh. Um, that if you see them, you go mad, and so I think it, it, you you've not supposed to have seen these creatures unless you work directly with them. They're almost like rolling from the shadows yeah. in a way. Kind of like because in Afghanistan he was tortured, so probably when he got into those mountains and he was fighting in whatever war he was of fighting. Madness. He, the Cthulhu monster rises up and he's working and he's a royal of like, say that area of, of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So that's why he goes back because he wasn't supposed to see him. And then when the queen invites him, that's why he doesn't go mad. Cause he's, cause the queen's like, no, I'm going to like re- to dial back my powers. She's wearing a mask. Yeah. She's wearing a mask. And then she's, she's still got tentacles though. <laughs> yeah. She still has the tentacles, yeah. but she heals him. Yeah. So it's like, hey, I could heal this man. And one of the things I liked at first was that he had PTSD. He said, and he told Moriarty, I'm just, I don't know, we still don't, the names are never said, yeah. but I'm assuming it's Moriarty. Yeah, it just, yeah, he yeah. tells him, like, I scream in the night, and he's like, well, I snore. I don't care. Yeah. I like you. You're cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I felt like he speaks about these things like a foreigner to the ideas of mm. what they're talking about, which sure. gave me the impression that he came from our world, saw the... Uh, old god again monster uh, the problem that, that the brandon said was like you're adapting a short story that's already yeah. short so when you're making right. a gra- <laughs> making a comic book out of that you're already erasing a lot of dialogue so they're not giving us a lot to work with right unfortunately yeah. Yeah. that was just the, me personally that was my impression is that yeah, no, he, I, I, he I transferred over that, yeah. and, and was yeah. in this world where these are the new rules i am 100 percent going to read this short story now because i am i am so interested in the idea uh, so if I can just read like a fully fleshed out, fleshed out version of this, I'm totally on board because like this again, this is right up my alley. Yeah, I would really love to see him do a sequel. I would love to see, uh, yeah, a sequel like a fully fleshed out version. I, of this, I wish yeah. there were more of this idea. I really do. Again, I, I I got to the end of the issue and I'm like, wait, this is it? The no, artist, there's no way there's more of this. What? The art is cool. Oh yeah, I, Raphael Albuquerque is great. Yeah, it's a I, Scott Snyder buddy. I dug the art and actually the length was fine for me probably because when I was reading, it, I read it just after I finished watching it done. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I gotta wake up so I could go to the movie today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was for me. I felt it was short and sweet. It kept me engaged. I kept. I I was enjoying the mystery myself of how this royal was murdered by people who don't want to follow the old gods. And I kind of like that. How there's even like a theological unrest in the people where they're like, no, these old gods, they need to go. Yeah. And there's like society who's. It's essentially kind of like an empire yeah. in a way. No, yeah, and then like I again, I I like all of that stuff. I just don't mm-hmm. think I got enough of any of it. And also, one thing I also there's wanna, not enough Cthulhu in well, this like yeah. at all. But one thing I like uh, I want to point out is uh, the old timing 1800s advertisements. Doctor Jekyll being the oh that standout. shit was awesome. Victor Frankenstein. Yep. There was a whole Jack bunch the Ripper. of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. those yeah. are super cool. I, I love those. Are really cool. Yeah, I was about to say that was Jack the Ripper in Piccadilly Circus, right? Yep. I did, I think wow, I that s- guy looks like the guy from Dark I Souls. Say I want to say I skipped so it's, Frankenstein. So it's uh, Vlad Tepish, Victor Frankenstein, Spring Heel Jack, uh, and then Dr. Jekyll. That's who are super the, cool. Who are the advertisements in this uh-huh. book. 
I thought that was a fun fun touch. Oh yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I'm definitely going to read the short story 100%. I'm definitely interested in mm-hmm. cuz like this is such a it's like a fun this book Fragile Things. Okay. So I'll pick it go. up. Hell yeah. Uh yeah, this was this is interesting. It was an interesting book. Um I regretted it immediately after I picked it and tried to get you guys to let me no. change it. No. Um, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Like I'm glad I read it cuz now I know the short story exists and like okay, like uh, this is I'm really glad I read this. I had no you. idea that this was a short story before reading yeah. it. So I was I I thought this this was a original uh, graphic yeah, yeah. novel. It's still cool. I still think the ideas are real neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I, think I don't you don't get often get to see a Lovecraftian queen rule London. Like that's right. super cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, so anything else you guys want to touch on? It's pretty short, so I didn't think we'd have a lot to, to touch on. One of the only times where I was like, wow, I wanted to read way more of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted more of the book club. Yeah. Sparks, do you have more you wanted to add? Or? No, I was just thumbing back through it. Okay, um, guess that'll do it <clears throat> for this episode Heck then. Heck yeah. Um, all righty, so Sparks, it is your turn next week. Cool. Uh, we'll announce it later? Yep. Okay. Uh, that'll be so. Look forward to that announcement next week. Is the big 150 guys 150 years old? Oh, hell yeah! I feel great. 150 now episodes. Now <laughs> um, We will be doing a review of Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh my god! Uh, I may or may not be here for that one. We will see. We oh. will. We at least at least Sparks and I. We might do a midsummer review. Yeah. Um, the horror it might not. Midsummer. It might not be out right away this coming no, yeah. week. But we will. If we At can schedule it, Ryan get Brandon on there for sure. Midsommar. Yeah, because uh, that's like honestly, like Hereditary is my favorite movie of last year. Like I, I am almost more excited to see that than I am Spider Man because I know Spider Man's a known quantity. I know it's going to be good. Uh, yeah. Real quick, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Downright Nerdy. Ooh, uh, they were yeah. very sweet yesterday and messaged me while I was hanging out with Ben, and they're like, "Hey, man, thing happened on our podcast," and I was like, "Oh yeah, what's up?" And he's like. You won the giveaway, and I was like, "Oh <laughs> snap!" So I won uh, the Star Wars Thrawn trilogy as nice. a graphic nice. novel. Timothy's um, on, which is really awesome, and uh, they're just they're being real awesome people over there, still yeah. including us and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we've got I a just, lot of followers <clears throat> from them. Yeah, now they're going to be mailing a second thing to my house, so I gotta I gotta find some way to send something back some from far, far away. Yeah, mm. <laughs> see if I can figure that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I. Katie, my wisdom teeth taken out this week, so I may not be here next week, but we will hopefully, see. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you'll be up to it by hopefully. Sunday. Hell yeah! Um, all right, so at the end of the show, let's plug a few things. We got our YouTube page up. Man, boom, boom, skadoosh! We, I looked earlier. We are at forty-two videos. Yeah. We're, we're already wow. a third of the way t- for the podcast. Like, I, I just, I think I'm proud of all of us for just keeping the content rolling, baby. You guys really, yeah. you guys put up a lot. Just, uh, thanks to you, Sparks. Like, I like you do most of the work. Like, I, me and Ben make the video, but like uh, you do most of the work. So I appreciate you a lot. So on oh, on thanks. that, we have uh, on YouTube Basement Arcade, which is Sparks and uh, sorry Ben and Ryan. Yep. Uh, you guys are almost. You guys are going through we're, settled yep. clauses. Uh, we are almost mm-hmm. done with that game. Yes, we are. Uh, it's not done uploading, but we're nope, almost done with that nope, game. We're almost. Yep. It's we're ch- trucking along. And we yep. just dropped episode ten this week. Yeah. Yep. Is that Sandy Cheeks? Sandy yes. Cheeks. Sandy Cheeks. And then the three of you do uh, Fake Nerd Watch, which is currently going through Swamp Thing. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, that's tonight. Ah! Episode, episode five. So excited. Soon. No, speaking of Sandy Cheeks, I was what, or I was showing Fanny in one of our videos. Um, I think it was the Dongo where they had the glitch where I jumped on the back where it just moved and I, I freaking love, I must have rewinded like five times of the thing seen from Friday going, damn. Uh, <laughs> the episode coming out, I think next week is maybe my favorite is that, that I've edited. Is that Godzilla? I don't remember the name. Okay. I don't remember. I'll look it up. Uh, also, <coughs> sorry, go did you? No, no. no okay. Okay. So we uh, also have our um, episodes. We put out our episodes. podcast episodes. I started a new thing uh, just this, this week um, where I've excerpted out uh, from our episodes just like this. I took out our King of the Monsters review, our Dark Phoenix review, and our Toy Story 4 reviews, and they went up as 
their own separate videos. So you don't have to because I realize that yep. some folks who are going through YouTube might not want to even with a timestamp scan all the way through upon sight of a thing that says review of Toy Story Four two hours. Right. Uh, yep. They might just want to jump into that review, and so I'm creating a, a playlist that is just the reviews. And will be its own subsection. It's also me starting to get better and better with the thumbnails. So the thumbnails for that are a lot stronger. And I'm yeah, figuring out how to get more eye-catching for everybody. You're doing uh, great. We'll s probably <coughs> someday, sometime put up some of the archived episodes, right? Is that that's the idea? I, I will get there. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's it we have on YouTube. We're for now, yeah. Looking forward to putting some more stuff up there. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see. Basically got a lot of stuff on YouTube. Basically. It is on. We have the link in our <coughs> description. So click that uh, if you want more uh, great content from us. Click um, it. We'll be putting up a review of Annabelle Comes Home up on YouTube yes. this week as well. Mm -hmm. um, we are a Funko affiliate. You can uh, click the link in the, the link for that is also in the description. Uh, when you check out, use promo code SHOP10 for 10% off your purchase. Patreon and TeePublic, links in the description. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, again, one tier on Patreon, $5 tier, uh, help, but you can support us in any way you like. Uh, TeePublic shirts, uh, look really cool uh, mugs and things like that mm -hmm. um, thank you to everyone who listens we greatly appreciate it uh, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci uh, for our theme music and intro segments you the best Jeremy and uh, you can find him on Instagram at, at uh, Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards um, uh, you can find his show on Facebook and Instagram if you'd like to support his show it's not currently online yet but we are getting it back up soon uh, facebook.com slash suburban proctologist official Instagram at subprocpodcast Thank you to Mike Patola, who we will have on soon. Hell yes. A couple weeks, it uh, looks like. Uh, Mike Patola does our logo for both this show and Mythelaneous. Mythelaneous should be coming back soon as well. Uh, relatively soon within the span of things. Um, you can find him at Mike Patola. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? Ben Mac at 27 on Instagram and Twitter. Ryan? DJ Tony Snark at everything. Sparks? Sparks Witty on Instagram, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty, and that alone only. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, rate and, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys. I like your doll. <laughs> Stay fake nerds. <laughs> <laughs>